right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Nick Springer. Hey. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, and uh, we got High School Sports Weekly after the show tonight over at Mama's Tamale Shop at 6 o'clock. So come on out to Mama's uh, after the show tonight and get some authentic Mexican food before the Chiefs-Broncos game. We'll talk a little Chiefs-Broncos. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, is going to join us at 3.40. Henry Greenstein of KUSports.com at 4.30. And uh, we'll get to the Rakeese Passmore news after he committed to KU last night. Uh, we're gonna have plenty of KU football talk today. We got a KU mailbag coming up at four o'clock, so uh, gonna be a fun show. Before we get into some of the football stuff, the preseason men's basketball honors are out from the Big Twelve, and KU is uh, pretty popular on the list. Nice, Hunter Dickinson, the preseason player of the year. Well, Hunter Dickinson, go. the preseason newcomer of the year. Hunter Dickinson, preseason All Big Twelve team. <laughs> Hunter Dickinson, no, I'm just joking. Uh, Dwan Harris, also preseason All-Big 12 team. Which, okay, so he's finally getting maybe the respect yes. he deserves. Now, it's easy for him to get it right now. I still feel like come the end he of the won't season, get it. <laughs> he won't get it because they're going to be like, oh, but he's only averaging nine Ooh, points per yeah, game. Eight points a game. Yeah, so that's that's stupid. Uh, Kevin McCuller also was honorable mention. So those are the KU players listed uh, as a part of all this. So uh, we'll talk plenty more with that with Henry coming up later in the show. Uh, we didn't get a chance yesterday to get to our midweek Oklahoma State thoughts, so we're going to do yeah. that today. Oklahoma State comes into this one at 3-2 and two on the season as KU gets ready for them. And, you know, as we get ready for game time on Saturday, I think um, I was having a little bit of a, I don't know, almost like an epiphany to being like, man, this is kind of a similar spot that KU was in last year. Remember last year, okay. so KU loses their first game of the season to TCU. Yep. So they're 5-1 and one on the season. Yep. KU right now, 5-1 and one on the season. Correct. And in their seventh game of the year, KU went down to the state of Oklahoma. Mm. And they played an Oklahoma team that at that point was 3-2. blasted by Texas. Yeah, right? Oklahoma was was not. They'd gotten but blasted by Texas. They'd lost Dylan to Dylan Gabriel was hurt. Yeah. Yes. They'd gotten blasted by Texas and TCU. But Dylan Gabriel had been hurt both games. That's right. Uh, so but I think of they were course, two or something. Magically, here comes Here's Dylan that. Gabriel. Yes. But it was always a team with Oklahoma where you were like, there's clearly talent there. You just hope you're not the game that they figure it out on. Yeah. And offensively, they figured it out on you. They put up 52 points, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there is a part of me that is wondering with Oklahoma State. Obviously, they, theirs is different. Um, they got blown out by South Alabama, and they barely beat Central Arkansas, and they yeah. lost at Iowa State, although Iowa State might be decent again. I don't know. Don't there, doubt there's a Rocco, part of baby. me don't doubt Rocco. that is wondering if Oklahoma State is starting to figure it out. That they beat Kansas State last week, and if they beat Kansas this week, all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh, Oklahoma State's four and two, and they have wins over a couple other teams that you could argue are the third best team in the Big Twelve. Maybe they're back. Maybe they've figured it out. Well, let's rewind back like a month ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're looking at the Oklahoma State game, thinking that's almost an automatic W. I mean, these boys stink. They're horrible. Mike Gundy's washed. He doesn't know what he's doing. They they're playing 18 quarterbacks. They can't figure out what's going on. 
They're bad. They're terrible. They get blown out by South Alabama, right? And then the K-State game happens. K-State game happens. Now, I will say, I think the K-State game was more indicative of K-State being really bad than Oklahoma State maybe figuring some things out. But, but yeah, I mean that's a that is a that end up that game could end up being a season-defining game for Oklahoma State, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, uh, sort of a a turning point in their season, so to speak, right? A win a win against Kansas State at home on a Friday night. On the flip side of that, though, do you think Oklahoma State is going to be as up for this game against Kansas as they were for Kansas State? You got the Big 12 defending champions coming to your house on a Friday night in prime time. It's a blackout. Those are always hype games. Is there a possibility that Oklahoma State is is hung over from that win and comes in a little bit flat against Kansas? Possible. Definitely. Uh, you or, never know. Is, or is Oklahoma State going to view this as an extension of last week where they're playing for their season? Because they, they maybe kind of are. Yeah. Yeah, in, in a sort of way. I just I, I wonder if there's any similarities there to, to last year. And this Oklahoma State team, I'm not saying it's as talented as last year's OU team was, but yeah, I, I think it's the same idea of like I mean, kind the of difference a sleeping is, giant. So yeah, I mean the difference yeah. is that Alan Bowman is not Dylan Gabriel, right? <laughs> and and Brennan Presley is not Marvin Mims. Yes. So uh, I agree with you. The talent's definitely there, and this is still certainly a dangerous Oklahoma State team. You're going to a place if you're Kansas where you you don't win very often, if ever, in Stillwater. Uh, so it's definitely a game that Kansas has to be turned up for, and I, I assume they will be, right? Uh, I, I I thought it was pretty telling. I, I asked Rich Miller about this uh, yesterday, about the fact that, you know, this is a game to be bowl eligible. So is that is that a point of discussion in the locker room? Is anybody thinking about that? And he was, was very, very adamant that, no, that's not at all the discussion because they're focused on bigger and better things, a.k.a. the Big 12 title. That's also what Daniel Highshaw said. Yeah. He, he said that you know they're just focused week in, week out, trying to be 1-0. Like, yeah. They're not even worried about it. Yeah, so it's clear that that's not something that is going to maybe impact them. And, and I think maybe last year you asked that same question. There might have been a little bit more of, yeah, we're, you know, we're trying to get to that bowl eligibility, but I think a lot of people in that locker room, players in the locker room are, are beyond that now, right? They're, they're less focused on getting to a bowl and more focused on on having bigger goals, right? And I, I also go back to uh, Brian Haney on Hawk Talk with Jalen Daniels a couple weeks ago where I don't, he asked him something he asked him something kind of similar like, oh, you know, do you, do you have you know any, any goals for like a bowl game or any individual goals? And Jalen Daniels said to win the Big 12 title, like just like that, like straight up, that's their goal. And so that's clear that, that, that I think that that mindset has kind of permeated the entire locker room. And again, this is a game where you're favored to win on the road. If you believe that you're a Big 12 title contender, this is a game you, you need to win, right? You need to win against an Oklahoma State team that has not looked that impressive. They already have a loss in conference to, to Iowa State. They just, I, yeah, I get it. They just defeated the Big 12 defending champions, Kansas State, last week. But if you're Kansas, this is, this is a game you need to win if, if you really believe that that's where you are at, right? And I, and I think. Uh, you know, you and I, ha- you and you and I have had this conversation. The, the The conversation was if Kansas is six and one with Oklahoma coming to town. At that point, you are in the conversation for the Big Twelve title race mm-hmm. because at this at this stage, if Kansas beats Oklahoma State, the Big Twelve title race essentially comes down to Texas and Oklahoma, with Kansas looking on the outside looking in. Right, right? hoping that I mean, there's there's other I mean, you know, upset a Kansas times. State's yeah. t- Kansas State's not out of it, but Kansas State has to go at Texas, right? Uh, and Oklahoma State would be out of it, right? Uh, you know, West Virginia, I guess, technically would be like a dark horse because of their schedule. But, but the point being, like, if you win this game, if you're Kansas, you are in sole possession of being the third best team in this conference. I think, hands down, and you are now also in a very, very good position to make the case for 
the Big 12 title mm-hmm. with Oklahoma with Oklahoma at home as your next game. Yeah, and that's the game where it kind of makes it feel like, yeah, how do you do there? So, yeah, this is kind of the piecing it together. It's the, the game before the bye week, trying to go out on top and, and have that good taste in your mouth. Uh, now, as far as what Oklahoma State does well and what they don't do well, offensively, overall, this has not been a very good offense. Uh, 23.4 points per game. That's 99th in the country. That's 12th in the Big 12 of 14 teams. Yeah. They are 14th, so last in the Big 12 in yards per play. They are last in a passing yards per play. It's almost like playing three quarterbacks. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Now, they did settle a little bit more last week, so yeah. we'll, we'll see where that goes because Bowman— And they still um, have dynamic skill players. They do. Bowman was thir- or is 13th right now in total QBR among 15 qualified quarterbacks in the Big 12 on ESPN, so hasn't been great, but he played better last week because he wasn't having to yank in and out. Um, you mentioned the good skill players. Ollie Gordon, the running back, really good. He's averaging— uh, or, or, well, as a team, Oklahoma State's averaging about 150 rushing yards per game in conference play after they had a slow start running the ball. He has a couple hundred-yard games recently, and uh, he's he's a big back. They run a lot of plays per game, so they'll be a higher-tempo team. Uh, still dangerous, like you said, in terms of when you factor in the talent on the outside, when you factor in the coaching resume, when you factor in that, yeah, this still is a team that's been you know one of the better ones in the Big 12, but yeah. There are a lot of deficiencies on that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and I'll just say this. I think Brendan Presley's the guy to keep an eye on in this game for Oklahoma State because I feel like the narrative around him maybe a couple years ago was this is the next great Oklahoma State wide receiver. Like This guy could be really, really talented and really, really a high-quality player. And I think it's just kind of fizzled a little bit, but he's still a guy that I think Oklahoma State wants to make the focal point of kind of some of the stuff they're doing in the passing game and getting him the ball in different ways on bubble screen. He's a great player with the ball in his hands in the open field. Right, uh, so that's where tackling will become critical again for Kansas. But yeah, he's he's a guy that I would expect uh, that Oklahoma State's going to have some places on to try to get him the ball to utilize his skill set after the catch. Yes. Now their quarterbacks plays whoever it's been. They have an 83 passer rating when clean. They have a 32 passer rating when under pressure. Really struggled under pressure. Mm. KU, out of comparison, has a 99.5 passer rating when under pressure. So that's better than Oklahoma State when clean or when under pressure, but it's three times better than when Oklahoma State is under pressure. But, Yikes. I mean, Oklahoma State's just struggled at, at really every level outside of just Ollie Gordon is, is kind of good. I mean, they're 100th in receiving grade on pro football focus. They're 86th in run block grade. The left side of the offensive line has really struggled a lot more than the right side. And they're 11th in third down conversion percentage in the Big 12. This is a game where you feel like the defense can... I mean, if you play as well as you get against UCF, they could have under 20 points. And if they yeah. have under 20 points, you feel great about winning the game. Yeah. But, you know, maybe maybe things don't add up as much as the UCF game. Um, you feel like this is a game that you would be disappointed almost if you gave up more than, like, 31 points. And even then, if you yeah. give up 31, you're going to feel like, eh, maybe that wasn't the best performance. Yeah, and I think for me coming into this game for Kansas... I think it would be really, really critical for KU to get off to a strong start and maybe build an early lead because I think if you take away Oklahoma State's more balance, like if, if you make them more one-dimensional than trying to throw the ball, I mean, you just listed off their numbers. They have, they're struggling in pass protection. They're struggling with their quarterbacks under pressure, and they don't have a ton of great weapons beyond Brendan Presley really on the outside. So if you get out to an early lead if you're Kansas and start the game strong, you're going to put even more pressure on Alan Bowman to perform when he really has not shown that he can do that at a high level for an entire game this season. So that's what I'm looking for. I'd like I'd like to see Kansas get out to a 7-0, 10-0, 14-0 lead and really, really turn the screws on this Oklahoma State offense 
that has really struggled. And at that point, you know, you look to guys like Austin Booker and Patrick Joyner who can pin their ears back and really, really wreak a lot of havoc, I think. So that's kind of what I'd like to see. And honestly, to, to that end, if I'm KU, I think I want the ball first in this game. Now, normally, it, it, the kind of the, the default of what you do as a coach, if, if you have a choice, if you, if you win the toss, defer to the second half. If I'm Kansas, nah, give me the ball. Mm-hmm. I want to go up. I want to go up early and really, really put some pressure on the Oklahoma State offense. Yeah, I think that that could be a good call, uh, especially on the road where you're trying to maybe quiet the crowd a little bit. So, uh, yeah, that would be interesting in how they do that. But overall, I, I feel good about how the KU defense – I don't know. It, if you have a bad game, I think it would be more reflective on you having a bad game than Oklahoma State playing a great game. But who knows? Maybe Possibly. maybe with the uh, more, uh, I don't know, settling in a quarterback, that certainly helps them out there. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, this is a team that can be opportunistic. They were plus three in turnovers last week. They did enter the game at minus three on the season, so that wasn't something they were great at coming into the game, but plus three against K-State. Maybe that does tell you it's a little bit more fluky last Friday of what happened, but I don't know. Maybe that's the trend they're on. Uh, the pass, pass rush in the D-line is actually very good for Oklahoma State. They're 10th in the country on pro football focus and pass rush grade. Um, they also uh, you know, are, are a team that, I don't know, has, has struggled at times against the run, but it's not every single week. Um, there are certain weeks like the K-State game, 220 on the ground, 104 from Will Howard, so maybe a, a big rushing game for Jason yeah, he, Bean. We, we Howard, saw Jason Bean have the long yeah, rushing so Howard had last a, year. I think he had like a 75-yard touchdown run in the game. So that and might Bean had one of those last year, though, yeah, against yeah, Oklahoma true. State. Yeah, yeah. Um, South Alabama had 243 rushing yards against Oklahoma State. And overall, they're 123rd on pro football focus and run defense grade. They don't have a good tackling grade. They're also 91st in coverage grade. In the middle of the defense, the linebackers and the safeties have really struggled. But again, that defensive line is good, and that's the scare here that the defensive line could maybe take over the game. Yeah, and to your point about the rushing attack, this is another bottom five rushing defense in the Big 12. And we saw what KU did to UCF last week, right? I mean, UCF, I think, came into last week uh, maybe like in the 10th, 11th range of the Big 12 in rushing defense. After the huge game KU had, they plummeted to last. <laughs> so they're worse than the Big 12 now. Oklahoma State is sitting at 11th in the Big 12 in rushing defense, 154 yards per game. You feel pretty good about Kansas getting that and probably quite a bit more against Oklahoma State based off of some of the other numbers you listed with the tackling and and how they've struggled a little bit in run defense. So, yeah, this is another game where, again, I, I'm hesitant to just say, oh, KU's strategy that against UCF, you can just cookie-cutter paste it week to week and it's going to work really well. I don't think that's the case for a couple reasons. One, I think opposing defenses are going to have to start really respecting KU's run game and and putting more guys in the box. Uh, And two, I think specifically for this week against Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State switched to a 3-3-5 defense. Remember the last time KU played a 3-3-5 defense? Nevada. Nevada. And beyond that, Iowa State last season. Yep. Another game where they really struggled. So I'm curious to see possibly what Andy Kolnicki has maybe worked on or schemed up knowing that this is the type of defense that Oklahoma State is facing and or knowing that the type of defense that KU is facing against Oklahoma State. And because Oklahoma State, they switched to it, to this 3-3-5 defense, and I think it's clearly shown in some of their play that it's taken them some time to get comfortable with it. So maybe in for KU, the fact that you're still getting them fairly early in conference play, this could be a defense that maybe if they figure out how to really run it, that later in the season they can end up being a bit more of a quality defense. So maybe if you're Kansas, you get a little bit of a bonus in the fact that this there's they switched to a new defensive scheme in three three five, and it's show I think it's definitely shown that they've been using a new scheme because it hasn't been as effective. But as the season goes on, I wouldn't be surprised if they start picking up a little bit. But again, I'm I'm curious what Andy Kolnicki schemed up because I'm sure, I'm sure, 
the KU coaches and the Oklahoma State coaches have seen, hey, the past couple times KU's offense has faced a, a defense like this and hasn't had as much success as we've seen it have over the past, you know, 18 games. Yeah. Uh, so I will have a chance tomorrow to talk more about this game. You're, you're not going to be here tomorrow. Do you have any thoughts on this game, predictions, or, or how you feel how this is going to go for KU? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, kind of like I mentioned, I, I want to see KU have a strong start and get out to an early lead in this game. I think that will really, really set the tone for the game and, and again, turn the screws on, on Oklahoma State's offense and see if Alan Bowman can can go down the field and lead some touchdown drives to, to climb them out of a deficit. So that's the big thing that I'm looking for in the game. And then, again, with that style of defense that Oklahoma State runs, I'll be curious to see how KU handles that. Uh, I mean, again, like I said, I don't think KU is going to be able to line up and just run HB dive. I know that's not what they're doing, but, <laughs> you know, HB dive every play with uh, like they did against UCF. So I'm I'm curious if Jason Bean will will – have some opportunities to throw the ball th- to throw the ball a little bit more, and I think I mentioned this earlier in the week. A couple guys that have been pretty quiet in terms of getting the ball in their hands the past couple weeks: Jared Casey and Tory Lachlan. I would not be surprised if Andy Kolnicki has some plays ready where Jared Casey, you know, in classic Jared Casey fac- fashion, gets forgot about and leaks out behind the defense. We've seen Tory Lachlan be involved in a lot of trick plays as well. I would not be surprised if there's something possibly cooked up for a couple of those guys. Uh, and I do like Kansas in this game to because to kind of to the points that you listed. I think Oklahoma State's defense is not good enough to hold Kansas to hold the KU offense down that much. And vice on the other side, I don't think their offense is really good enough to keep scoring with Kansas if the game goes that way. Now the way that I do think Oklahoma State can win this game is if they kind of muddy it up and it's a, and it's a you know they're at home and it's a tight game. You know this, despite the fact that Oklahoma State has really struggled so far this season, they've sold out every other home every home game the rest of the season. I'm pretty sure. So they definitely are going to have the fan support. The fans are going to be behind them. So the longer this game kind of drags on and it's kind of maybe ugly, muddy, dirty type game, the more I think it might favor Oklahoma State as, as it drags on. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to a uh, limited short with num- or fun with numbers edition as uh, Brian Haney will join the show in about 20 minutes here in studio. With Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll be joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, in about 15 minutes from right now. So normally Thursdays, we have our fun with numbers for KU football. Wednesdays are our midweek thoughts. We obviously spent all of yesterday talking about the IARP decision and everything. And if you missed any of that conversation, you can find it on the Best of RCST podcast, wherever you get any of your podcasts, and now available at KUSports.com. So we're going to do our fun with numbers right here. And our uh, first number here, KU is one of 10 Power 5 schools yeah. to start 5-1 and one the last two seasons. Oh, nice. The list, it, because 10 seems like it's still a, sol- a solid number. Like, I don't know how many don't Power know. 5 schools there are now. What, 70, 60, 70? Oh, probably like 75. You know, so it's like, yeah, sure. 80. So like 1 in 7. Yeah, and you're like, okay, well, that's a cool number. But, you know, well, what's how the company? How cool here? is it really? Well, let me, let me list these names, and then you'll realize how cool it is. Uh, Georgia, ever heard of them? Kirby uh, Smart and the boys? No, I don't think I have actually. Okay. Uh, this is at least 5-1, and one, by the way. So, yeah. clearly, like, these couple teams, 6-0. Six and, six but, and uh, yeah. Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Ohio State, Penn State, USC, Alabama, North Carolina, Ole Miss. It's pretty good company. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, you think about it. Out of those 10 teams, how many of them have been to the playoff in the last, what, three or four years? I mean, Almost Georgia, like every year. Georgia, Michigan, Alabama. Ohio State's uh, been. Ohio State, Oregon's been in the past. Yep. Penn State's, Penn State's been very been close. Right there, yeah. Yeah. USC, weirdly, I just realized, hasn't made the playoff, right? Ever? I don't think so. 
Yeah, but they've been close, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Alabama, obviously, mainstay. You know, North Carolina's had some good teams that have gone to New Year's Six Bowls. Same with Ole Miss, right? Yep, yep. It's a good company to keep. Uh, yep. How about this stat? KU has 18 sacks right now on the season. Last year, they had 24. So they're only six sacks back as they're halfway through the season from that's last good. year's numbers. Yeah, that's good. But the 18 sacks, this this surprised me when, it, when I saw this number. KU is leading the Big 12 in sacks right now. They were eighth last year. You lost Lonnie Phelps. And don't forget, last year was 8th out of 10. Yes. And now you are leading the conference after you lost arguably your most impactful defensive player from a year ago. Yep. Yeah, very impressive stuff. And again, shout out to what KU's done in the portal on the D-line. And that's one of the things that's just been so impressive to me is this, with Lance Leipold and the staff, is when they see an area that they think is deficient and they think needs a little bit extra, they've been very aggressive in going out and trying to solve that problem. And, uh, you know, we had this, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier in the season, but, you know, remember last year the discussion was, well, how good's the wide receiver room? We don't really know. Might it be the weakest position group? And then all offseason, really, I mean, literally all summer, the discussion was, is the D line going to be good or are they going to be, are they going to take a big step back with Nolani Phelps? What's Jeremy Robinson going to do? Jeremy Robinson has obviously been great, but certainly the storyline of the D line has been the transfers. Mm -hmm. Evan Phillips has been great. Gage Keys has been effective when he's played. And obviously, Austin Booker has been phenomenal. Patrick Joyner has been been solid as well. And Patrick Joyner, by the way, probably going to get some more reps this week because it sounds like Hayden Hatcher is not going to play. Uh, by the way, Brian Boyland, we, I guess we didn't talk about this, but Brian Boyland in yesterday's press conference had a little bit of a slip-up. And, yeah. and when well, I don't know. It might have been a slip-up. It, it could have just been him I, saying I, it wrong. I don't know, man. You and I both looked at each other we and had each the other same and thought. thought. It was a, a Freudian slip, for yeah. sure. So basically, Boyland was talking about the D-line and... He bas- he was like I don't remember the, what the exact phrasing was, but he was basically like with Hayden out this week, or Hayden might not be playing this week. Yeah, or, yeah, like kind of he said something or like Hayden that. Possibly out. Poss- this yeah, week. yeah, yeah. So he kind of slipped up a little bit there. So uh, you know, Patrick Joyner's probably going to get a chance to play more. Dylan Brooks will probably get a chance to do a little bit more because Jamie Robinson also, by the way, I think is probably I think it's safe to say he's probably questionable. Or limited, I guess. Yeah, yeah, or limited. Yeah, they did say so. he practiced the other day, but in a limited fashion. Yeah, yeah. So very very impressive stuff from the D line again and. And now I'm just wondering, I'm just already thinking, what position group next offseason are we going to be thinking is going to be bad and they're just going to be really great? That's a good question, yeah. From the receivers to the defensive <laughs> ends. I'm trying to What's project in, into the future. Uh, the, the secondary when you don't have Kenny Logan and you don't have uh, I guess, yeah, Kenny Logan graduates. I forget if Marvin Grant has another year. Burroughs would have another does. year. But maybe Kobe Bryant goes pro and yeah. you're like having yeah, questions like, about, oh, like, oh man, I don't know, man. And then they'll just like be amazing. I don't know about that secondary, yeah. man. No, that's that's a good point. But yeah, man, I, I think what it tells you, or what it tells me at least, is um, strength in numbers at the pass rush position. That means something is more important than having one guy. Maybe in the NFL it's different because in the NFL, if you have one guy, like if you have Nick Bosa or T.J. Watt or Chris Jones or one, it doesn't like that's enough. Aaron Donald, like that's enough. You know, in college though. Where if you just have one guy and the rest kind of stink, colleges will just like block you with three guys, you know? <laughs> and so in college, I think there's strength in numbers more than having the one guy. Now, Kansas might have the one guy too. Austin Booker's really good. Yeah. Even Jeremy Robinson's really good. Yeah. Uh, so they have multiple of those, but it, it really is the strength in numbers. How about these are the uh, combined QB numbers? It feels like it's been more of a, I don't know, um, well-tamed numbers yeah. for the quarterback well, so I mean, far. The discourse around the quarterbacks has obviously been and injuries. a bit, a bit Difficult. Yeah, of course it has. I mean, the last two weeks you have, uh, what, like, well, I, I guess the last three weeks. Because if we go back to the, the BYU yeah, game. Yeah, Jalen Daniels threw for, like, what, 130 yards Yeah, the last game? three weeks they probably have, like, 350 to 380 <laughs> passing yards. 
I mean, that's nothing. Yeah. So, right, it, it feels like they're they're very limited, but even then, I mean, 1,208 passing yards, nine touchdowns, one pick. So over the course of a uh, full regular season, it puts you on pace for over 2,400 passing yards, 18 touchdowns and two picks. That's and, good. You know, it's 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 not maybe as explosive numbers as you thought with getting yourself hyped up about is Jalen Daniels a Heisman contender, but, you sure. know, that, that'd be very proficient numbers. Yeah. Um, what's interesting to me, KU still doesn't have a 300-yard receiver. And all the talk we had about, like, would one receiver break out for 800, 900 yards? How about none of them? None of them might even get to where... They were last year. None of year. them might even get to like 600 yards. Yeah. Now, I, I think the more more I look back on this, I wonder how much of that has to do with game script. Think about it last year. Yeah. KU's some of their biggest games to boost their passing numbers by the end of the year. It was Baylor. It was Oklahoma. Games that you were down in yeah. that you needed to keep throwing the ball just to keep alive. If yeah. all's going right, if you stay on script, HB you're going to run baby. the ball more and run for Yep, you know, like you did against UCF, yep. where you don't need to throw. HB dive yeah. all day. So I think I think it's going to affect the way we view Kansas in the future, where it's like if they're a good team, they're going to have less passing yards. Yeah, could be. And it's not because you're worse at passing; it's because you're going to be better at running that yeah. you don't need to pass it as much. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Daniel Highshaw, speaking of the running game and how dominant that have been, that has been, uh, and Devin Neal. Right now, they have a combined over one thousand yards rushing. So that means put it on pace, and basically you're getting a 2,000-yard rusher out of the combo of the two. So elite stuff. And right now that is the most for a duo in the Power Five. That is second most for all of FBS. And last year, they were obviously a good unit. Daniel or uh, Highshaw gets hurt in the fifth game, right? So he played four yeah, and a half. Four, yeah. So you didn't get a full slate out of them. But that means you still got, what, 12 or 13 games out of Devin Neal. With the bowl game, yep. four and a half out of Daniel Highshaw. So we'll just call it. You got eighteen games last year out of the duo. They had a combined thirteen hundred and fifty rushing yards. This year, you have twelve combined games with over a thousand. So as good as they were last year, they've gotten even better this year. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's honestly hard to believe, right? I mean, I think coming into it, we expected. Well, I will. I'll just say this: there were some more questions about Daniel Highshaw, mm-hmm. right? Coming off of an injury, if what's his what's his health status? I think he was kind of limited in fall camp a little bit, right? Uh, and just making sure that he's fully ready to go. Those questions have been resoundingly answered. I mean, this dude is back and better than ever, right? And it's been so great to see. And obviously, Devin Neal, he, I don't know how he does it, but he just keeps finding another level to get to, right? I mean, just when you think that maybe he's reached his peak of what he can do, he just finds another level. It's 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 incredible. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so that running back unit, really, really fun so far. And, and some of the numbers they're putting up. I mean, the 399 that, that KU had rushing against UCF on Saturday. It was the most for Kansas in the Big 12 era. So uh, very historic numbers there. The other one I wanted to get to, I, just, I thought this was kind of a, a mind figure. We, we've spent a lot of time talking about how Kenny Logan's led KU in tackling, it feels like, for like 10 straight seasons at this point. But um, <laughs> he's always put up big tackle numbers in his time at KU. And that was always a good thing for Kenny Logan and showing that he could do it. But it always felt like a bad thing from a, a total defense perspective where you were like, oh, you don't want your safety leading your team in tackles because typically that means that they're getting to your safety, that you're allowing too many plays to get to the third level, and then he's having to make the play, which he is making. But maybe this year kind of shows you that, yeah, as much as that is a thing, maybe Kenny Logan's just really good and it doesn't matter because yeah. he has 38 tackles that right now. That is more than double digits on second place, which is uh, Rich Miller. And the gap between him and second, Rich Miller, is bigger than the gap from Miller to 10th place, who is Taiwan Berryhill. So I guess in which the D- KU defense has gotten a lot better, maybe Kenny Logan just finds a way to get tackles because he's really good, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it, he's definitely played a lot better this season than I think he did last season, right? We kind of we, we we talked about it a lot last year where you have a big year the year before, preseason first team all Big 12, the expectations are there and it just it wasn't that he had a bad season last year, it just maybe wasn't what we hoped or expected, right? And this year this year he's he's definitely been great. I think he's in the top 10 of the Big 12 in, in tackles to your point, uh, even beyond just looking at Kansas. So yeah, he's. I think he's just showed that he is just a quality player, just a really stalwart, consistent guy, which is kind of what we knew about him. I guess the question was with Kenny, like, what's his ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. Are we seeing it right now? I, I don't know. Tough to say. Maybe he can go even higher. Yeah, I mean, that would certainly be helpful for KU if he had another, you know, couple more interceptions, another big pick six. I mean, sure, man, he's been a pretty all-around player because you think about yeah. it, you have the pick six, you think about all the tackles there, you think about the big kick return he had last week where yep. tripped up by his own guy. So he's done a little bit of everything, and uh, that is your fun with numbers. One Did thing I fun? wanted to bring up, not so fun with numbers at the end here. Okay, You pointed out, you pointed this out. Opponent, opponents are 100% in scoring in the red zone against KU right now. Yeah. Now, not that's not saying they score touchdowns. They, you know, just 100 percent scoring, so field goals or touchdowns. And Oklahoma State, their kicker Alex Hale is number one in the Big 12 in, in field goals made so far mm-hmm. this season. So, even if if you are going to play a bend don't break style of defense, if you're Kansas, Oklahoma State has kicked a lot of field goals this year, and their kicker has been pretty effective. He's 11 for 13 on the year. So, even if you are going to give up a lot of yards and, and get down there, you know, Texas missed a few field goals against you. Don't expect Oklahoma State to maybe miss very many field goals if you if you bend but don't break in the red zone. Yeah, I think that's an astute point. And by the way, to your point on the uh, teams have scored 100% of the time in the red zone, um, there are a few that, like the interception KU had at the end of the first half of Texas. Yeah, it was like or, a 30 or whatever. And holding them to field goals. It was Yeah, it was technically just outside, so it didn't count. So if you added those in, they would have those bend and breaks. But that actually is encouraging to me. I, I know... On a, on a reflective basis, that's like, okay, you'd prefer that number not to be 100%. Um, but on a projection basis, even like two years ago, in 2021, Kansas had the worst red zone defense in the Big 12. Uh, it got better last year in 2022, but it started to fade as the season went on. But in 2021, they had the worst red zone defense in the Big 12, and they were giving up scores. It was like 92% or something like that at the time, and that was the worst in the Big 12. You're at 100%. So what that tells me is even if you are a bad red zone defense, it's still going to get better from where it yeah. is here. Which I don't even know if it's indicative that KU's a bad red zone defense. I don't know. Defense. It might just be bad luck. You yeah, know? just, you know, either teams are scoring. But again, if you're, if you're, because you know, it's clear if the defense scoring, overall is better. If teams are scoring 100% of the time on you in the red zone, but 50% of that is field goals, maybe that's not that bad. I don't know. Sure. So I, I actually think that maybe you have a, a couple luck things that are going to twist your way. So uh, we're going to take a timeout here. Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will join us next. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN. We have High School Sports Weekly at Mama's Tamale Shop tonight at 6 o'clock. Tomorrow we'll have the city showdown between Free State and Lawrence High. And then Saturday, you can hear KU Oklahoma State. Crimson and Blue Show starts at 1 and kickoff at 2.30 between the Jayhawks and the Cowboys here on KLWN and our sister station 105.9 KISS. You'll be able to hear Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney, on the call of that one. And, uh, Brian, thanks for hopping on in studio today. Obviously, this is the busy time of year. This is crossover season. We got, what, Big 12 Media Days next week for basketball. Awards came out today with basketball. You had late night in the fog last Friday. Uh, football this Saturday. Have 
Have you 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 gotten ready yet for the oncoming uh, I guess avalanche of sports that's coming your way? Yeah, you know October is usually the calm before the storm, and then when November hits, it's all hands on deck trying to pull it all off. But this is one of those years where we're great in both sports. The schedules align to where we should be able to be most places, and can't wait to chronicle it all for Jayhawk fans for a team that. Hopefully by you know the end of Saturday night is bowl eligible before it's bye week and then a preseason number one ranked basketball team. A lot of good vibes around football and hoops right now here in Lawrence. Well, uh, a lot of good vibes last Saturday. KU wins fifty one twenty two against UCF three ninety nine on the ground. I'm, I'm sure David was pretty happy with the performance of the offensive line and, and everything that they put together. What what stood out to you most though uh, about the game? Because I, I think there's a lot of huge takeaways you can come whether it's the running game or efficiency of Jason Bean or, or the defense playing really well. What what to you was uh, the big takeaway? So many great takeaways. But first off, on the subject of the 399, I teased both Andy Kotelnicki and Jonathan Wallace, the running backs coach. Couldn't you just get yeah. one more yard? Well, see, I thought they should have done the opposite. I thought they should have got three, three less. Three less. Tony yeah. Yeah. yeah, I thought that too after the fact. But yeah, hey, for Tuxedo Tony to see 399 and then be able to tell his family, well, it took three guys. <laughs> yeah. that. I, I did it on my own. It took four guys, really, including Jason Bean. But, uh, but yeah, special, special day. And I think that... That, to me, was probably the greatest takeaway because Kansas sensed they had a decisive advantage in the trenches. And if you think about it, when a program like UCF is going from a smaller conference to a Power 5 FBS, it's going to take at least a couple of years to match the size and physicality in the trenches. That's probably where you see the biggest differential because they come from a recruiting talent rich hotbed state where you're going to have team speed and a lot of it in Florida but they need to get bigger and thicker up front and Kansas knew they'd have a chance to push them around a little bit up front and consequently you saw some of the best run blocking and run game totals we'd seen in a long time how long of a long time well the last time we had two 130 yard rushers in the same game Derek wasn't born uh let's see Nick Springer's parents hadn't met yet they were barely alive. Now, I was five years old. 1985 was the last time we had two 130-plus-yard rushers in the same game. Now, we had two 100-yard guys do it, Khalil Herbert and Puka Williams, when uh, when we went to Boston College in 2019. Quick story on those two, mm. by the way. Sidebar here. You'll find this interesting. Back during the pandemic, I got into the uh, Mixed Tiles. It's an okay. Instagram company. Yeah, yeah. They make these eight inch by eight inch square, uh, like photo frame things you can hang on your wall. And, you know, I had nothing better to do during the pandemic. So I go through my phone and I take all the photos I've ever taken of me and famous athletes and I get these Mixed Tiles and I deck out the man cave with the Mixed Tiles. I had a picture of me standing in between Khalil and Puka. And, of course, Khalil had left us somewhat famously mm-hmm. on the TCU trip to uh, to enter the portal and, and go to Virginia Tech. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to crop him out of the photo. <laughs> it's just going to be me and Puka. And I have Puka on the wall. And someday I'll get Puka to sign it or whatever. Well, now you fast forward three years. Khalil's the starting yeah. running back with the Chicago Bears. Puka's been playing in the XFL. I have to uncrop it. I kind of wish I had Khalil <laughs> in the photo. And if he's listening, I apologize, Khalil. But uh, I am proud of his success, by the yeah. way. And I always thought he was a great kid. It was unfortunate he left us when he did because the timing was really uh, inconvenient. But really think the world of him as an individual, and I cheer for his success now. Now, we just wasted 90 seconds on yeah. that, but hopefully you found that entertaining. No, I, uh, I did. So, uh, so the run game was special. Yeah. Uh, the defense was special. When you hold the nation's number five total offense to about 180 less than what they're averaging coming in, that's big time. Part of it had to do, though, with the fact that 
Plumley actually tweaked his knee on that first drive. They admitted that after the fact and tried to play through it a couple other drives and just, you know, kind of gummed up the works for their offensive flow early in the game. But give Kansas credit for capitalizing on that, pitching a first half shutout, making disruptive plays like another Austin Booker sack strip play. And he's now tied for the Big 12 lead in sacks. DJ Withers gets the fumble recovery. Then you get the punt return for the first time for a touchdown in nine years. That was awesome to see. And then on top of that, you know, you clearly had other highlights in in, uh, in the offensive game as well from Jason Bean, who was a good game manager, did just enough, but finds Arnold for the touchdown. And I thought there were several things that stood out to me about the game. But anytime you have a true domination in all three phases, that's rare. You say it all the time in broadcaster speak or coach speak, oh, we were good in all three phases. But hey, this game, you had the league special team player of the week. You had a defense that did everything I just said about holding the number five offense in the nation well below. Their season low in yardage allowed. And oh yeah, by the way, Five rushing touchdowns, 51 points on the board. Best rushing day we've seen in years. It truly was an all-three-phases domination. To, to your point on the rushing game with KU, I just wonder, do you think a game plan like that is replica, replicable against some of KU's upcoming opponents, or do you expect Jason Bean maybe to have to make a little bit more plays than he did against UCF? Yes and no. Actually, let me rephrase that. No and yes. <laughs> Get in the right order of the questions. It's not re- replicable in the fashion that we saw it versus UCF. Now, we have the number one and number two running backs in terms of yards per carriage in the Big 12 Conference. That's not going away so long as they stay healthy. We've got an offensive line with veterans that are good run blockers. That's not going away if they stay healthy. But can you chalk up 400 yards a game? Can you chalk up two 130-yard guys? No. I don't think that's something we can duplicate on a regular basis, especially against bigger, more physical teams coming up on the schedule, certainly on Saturday, but especially October 28th, when number three Oklahoma comes to town, you're not going to have the same running lane. So this, to me, as I said at the very beginning, was a great example of Kansas in scouting identifying a matchup they thought they could exploit and really doing it to the nth degree. Now, are we going to have big rushing days in the final six weeks? Absolutely. Just not on a chalk-it-up basis where you can just expect them to roll out the balls and have these guys in the end zone left and right like Neil and Hyshaw were doing. So we'll see. But uh, I do think that this is a game specifically versus Oklahoma State where you've got to test them vertically a little bit more. Jason Bean's got to throw the ball downfield. And while last week was a great game management kind of week, this is the week where you turn him loose with the arm. I don't know how much they turn him loose with the feet because, again, if he goes down, although we love Cole Ballard, he's a true freshman walk-on behind him. And so it's not like if you had Jalen Daniels waiting in the wings, you, you let Jason Bean just go for it. you got to put the governor on the, the golf cart a little bit there. And, and By the and, way, Nick had never heard that term before until about a week ago, so I'm gra- glad you golf cart? brought it up. Which the one? governor yeah. term. Well, I worked, oh. at, I worked at a golf course as a kid, so I, I broke yeah, a few I, had not, I had not heard that. But you got to decelerate and downthrottle a bit uh, because you got to keep him healthy, and, and that's so important. But, hey, I've been at practice most days the last two weeks. I just want to say, and we never report on what we see in practice, but this I think I can say, Jason's done such a great job of embracing this role, of being a great senior leader, being upbeat, energetic. The guys are rallying around him, and it's just great to see him 
thriving in a situation that no one could have forecast or predicted. Here we sit halfway through the season, and a guy that had no guarantees when he first decided to come back has started half of our games. After Saturday, it'll likely be four out of seven of our games, and he's doing so with, I think, great effectiveness. You know, If this is a, a college course where you can drop your worst test score, you kind of throw out the Texas game based on the circumstances. But I'll tell you what, uh, what a great leader. Uh, what, what a great kid. I'm happy for his success, but I think this is a week where there needs to be more specific Jason Bean type success. And I think that starts with some downfield passing way more so than what we saw versus the Knights. Yeah, so Oklahoma State, the matchup on Saturday, I, I kind of wonder if it's better to play Oklahoma State coming off the Kansas State win. Now, on one hand, you wonder if after the Cowboys had kind of a, a struggle through the first four games, they lose by nearly 30 points to South Alabama, um, if maybe last week was indicative of them starting to figure things out. And I made the comparison to Nick earlier that kind of had a similar spot last year against OU who came in with a couple losses early in the season and then they kind of figured it out a little bit even though the record wasn't always indicative of that. Um, I, I guess what, what are your thoughts on the Cowboys and uh, how they come into this game after a big win over Kansas State but at the same point in time have had those early season you know, struggles? Well, this is what we do on these three-hour talk shows is which factor is bigger? Yeah. <laughs> They've now got confidence and momentum right. in Stillwater or Kansas is now – Locked in high and respecting yeah. high alert, you know, what they just did to Kansas State 29-21, which is the bigger factor. I don't know. But personally, I'm glad our guys saw that. I think it absolutely gets their attention. I do know that uh, both coordinators have mentioned to the current team the cumulative 314-77 to 77 score of the last six losses in Stillwater, not because these kids had anything to do with that and not because they're trying to sell Boone Pickens Stadium as a house of horrors or anything like that, but they're saying to them, you have a chance to rewrite the narrative and create some new memories and some new history of what it's like when Kansas goes down to OSU. And I, for one, I talked to a lot of people around the state going on shows like this one, but I've heard from so many Jayhawk fans this week that are planning on burning up I-35 yeah. heading south and, and getting down there to support the Jayhawks. Nick Springer's going to yeah, be there. Right. Yeah, so, most, most notably. Exactly. So the Springer <laughs> fan club, he's going to be signing headshots at 1.30 uh, p.m. out yep. front of the booth, or uh, Boone Pickens, <laughs> I should say. What, what do you call your fan base, by the way, if if, uh, uh, if Taylor Swift has Swifties. Swifties. Uh, Springs. Springer Squad. I don't know. Okay, I like it. I like it. We'll work on that. We'll workshop that one. Workshop that one. We'll get in the lab on that one. It, as soon as you figure out what governor means, you can work yeah. on that next. But uh, anyways, I, I'm excited to think about the Kansas fan base enthusiasm heading down there. I'm excited to look at our roster up and down it. And I kind of feel like we have the more polished talent. We have the more explosive weapons. For so many years in Mike Gundy's 19-year tenure, it seems like they've had a Bolitnikoff Award finalist at receiver, an NFL running back in the backfield, and if the quarterback wasn't an NFL prospect, he darn sure knew how to get the ball into the hands of the guys that were. And always like one pass rusher who's like at the top of the Big 12. Totally, tracks. totally. Yeah. I'm not saying this team is void of, of game-changing talent, but I think unlike the previous six trips with that 314 to 77 total we threw at you, you kind of feel like at the skill positions and many of the key positions defensively, 
Kansas has the more proven, established, dynamic player. And, man, that's a great spot to be in heading down there. But so long as Mike Gundy is on the sidelines, you're always going to have a dogfight down there. I respect him a ton, and I know Lance Leipold does too. But let's make new memories. Let's exercise those demons. Let's get that awful stat of all those blowout losses out of our mouths and, and, and start up a new streak with Kansas winning because it's Derek said earlier off the air and probably on it as well. Some of our best seasons SKU football fans have featured wins in Stillwater, whether it be 07 or 95. And uh, let's hope that 2023 is next on that list. That's right. Well, uh, before we let you go, I guess, I don't know, you've been down to Stillwater before. Uh, any recommendations for fans who are making the travel, like you said, for the first time or, or maybe going down excited to watch the game on Saturday? So everybody knows about Eskimo Joe's. Yep. I mean, Dick Vitale's talked about the cheese fries on Big Monday, and, and we've known about that for years. It is really cool. And by the way, you can like take the uh, rainbow-colored glasses, like like drinking glasses, out of there. They're made by Berry Plastics just okay. up the road, <laughs> and, and they're like great collector's items. The T-shirts are seen around the world. It's a super popular place. It's right on campus there. Greg Gurley likes to go there to pre game before the broadcast uh shocked in looking yeah. at game notes only no, <laughs> right, no libations um, if you cheese but, fries yeah. but having said that my personal pick is hideaway pizza and i think Pretty certain sure members Scott chasen's uh favorite who's a uh, loyal listener to the yeah. show former oh, guest of the show one of yeah. my favorite guys i think there's people on the ku basketball staff that have a lot of experience in Stillwater that would tell you hideaway is pretty dang good okay. too so you could go <laughs> the eskimo joe's route and stand in line for 45 minutes or you could call ahead, get a hideaway pizza. Can't go wrong either way. Okay, love that. Well, uh, Brian, before we let you go, word from Nate Miller. That's right. Uh, my main man, Nate, just as the Jayhawks had their great game plan versus UCF and are working on one now for Oklahoma State, you need one for your most profitable and secure financial future. Check him out today at MillerRetirementGroup.com. That's MillerRetirementGroup.com. Nate Miller. Always a pleasure, fellas. Great to see All you. All right. That's Voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Hear him on the call, 2.30. Pre-game, 1 o'clock, right here on KLWN and uh, over on 105.9 KISS. Cue the disclaimer. Ryan is a paid spokesperson, not a client. Ryan does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. One hour down, two to go. KU Mailbag next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour here on RCST. We're going to be joined in 25 minutes by Henry Greenstein of KUSports.com. We uh, also will get to a little Chiefs talk. KU has a new basketball commit, Rakees Passmore. We'll get to that later. And we have Florida Man Mad Lips. And then tonight, after the show, High School Sports Weekly at 6 o'clock over at Mama's Tamale Shop. You can grab some authentic Mexican food if you're looking to watch the Chiefs-Broncos game tonight and you're like, ah, I don't want to cook. I just want to hang out, watch the game. Boom, get some Mama's Tamale Shop. Boom. Do you have a favorite thing you've had at, Ma at Mama so far? Dude, I honestly, straight up, I just get like the the basic like street chicken tacos, man. And you can't you can go get, wrong with those. You can get to, yeah, you can get chicken, beef, whatever. I've, I've, got, yeah. I've got the chicken a couple times. And I mean, dude, just squirt a little lime on there. You know, we got some cilantro mixed mm -hmm. in there with some cheese. And, oh, man, that's that's pretty good stuff. I'm a big carnitas guy ah, for the, okay. uh, yeah. the Mexican meats, I guess you could say. All right, uh, that wasn't a question for us, but you're welcome if we pre-answered it for you. You're we have welcome. our KU mailbag. Thank you're you, everybody, America. Yeah, who submitted questions at RCST1320. If you want to submit any for future weeks, you can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. All right, here's the first question. This is a bit of a longer one from Bill. All of the KU gear I've purchased lately have retro Jayhawk logos. 1941 Warhawk is my favorite. Uh, there's the long-legged stork-like 1912 logo. Even the 100-year anniversary of the 1923 logo has its own unique charm. 
The current iteration of the Jayhawk has been basically the same, though, since 1946. I think it's time for a new Jayhawk logo. I'd like to see you create or lobby for a public contest to create and pick a new Jayhawk image to coincide with the renovation of the football stadium. I think the administration would be resistant at first, but think all of the new merch fans would buy. A win-win. How about in your next interview with Travis Goff, which, to be clear, I don't think we've had one, um, <laughs> you float a Jayhawk image and stadium renovation idea and get his reaction. Thanks, Bill Hawk. P.S. My favorite non-sports segment y'all do is the Nick Springer football coach guessing game. Hilarious. Thanks for all you do. Thank you, Bill. And also, Bill, I need your support, man. Listen. I'm at, a, I'm at a group of five school right now. I need all the support I can get. I'm trying to get back to a power five job. I need, I need, I need the, I need the donors, all the donor support yeah, I can right. get. Yeah, we did the uh, the Texas State Fair food or, or what last week. Um, so I am uh, horrible at designing. I'm, I'm not an art person. I, I'm just not Fair. that I appreciate art. And yeah. I appreciate it more probably because I can't do it. But I'm, I'm bad at drawing and, you know, that sort of stuff. So yeah. I would be the wrong person to put together a logo. Um, but I'll say this. Yeah, if, if there's anybody out there who wants to put together, like, a new KU logo, I think that's a good point. You, you've had the same logo since 1946, and on one hand, the current Jayhawk logo is awesome. I think and it's, it's a great cool. logo, yeah. but he does have a point that there were so many different logos. What if they steered into that being the thing, that they changed the logo every 20 years or something? Yeah, and obviously, I think, you know, when you consider a lot of what kind of what he's alluding to with the, the retro KU logos, obviously, KU does do a good job of having all of their old logos still marketable, right? They obviously use the Warhawk that fans go crazy for for KU football and things like that. So they do incorporate all that in there. But you're right, maybe uh, it could be time. There's a fine line on this, right, between embracing tradition, right, and having a, a you know a traditional, cool, recognizable brand and, and Jayhawk logo and, and, you know, making something new, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. It'd be tough. It would definitely be tough. Uh, I'm kind of in the same vein as you, though. I'm not the best at designing uh, art and drawing things. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. It's definitely, but I would say it's if, definitely if, an interesting idea. If anybody wants to come up with a logo and, you know, put it out there, we'll yes, pub it. Yes. For, like, so, we'll help you pub it. Submit it to us, it, you know? and the next time we yeah. see Travis Goff, because we, you know, we rub elbows with him all the time, <laughs> you know, we'll uh, we'll pass it along. We'll, we'll pass it along to Travis Goff. Uh, this one from Ryan. If you could go back in time and fix either Joel Embiid's injury or Jalen Daniels back in fall camp, what do you choose? Uh, okay, this is interesting mm. because here's my thought. If you fix Jalen Daniels' back injury from fall camp, what is KU's record right now? Five and Probably one. Probably still five and one. Yeah, but going forward, obviously, you know, it's we don't. It's it's hard to yeah, project we don't into know, the future. Yeah. Like obviously, right. if Jalen comes back for the Oklahoma game and ends up being playing and being fine the rest of the year, then I think it's a slam dunk. You definitely take the Joel Embiid injury because there, there's the the potential of outcomes is it's much broader, right? I mean, Joel Embiid came on strong. Late in that season, right, he was playing so well. Maybe the combination of him plus Wiggins in the NCAA tournament, you get past Stanford, and you keep, or maybe KU gets a better, different seed even, right? So I think there's a lot of different possibilities with that. With the Jalen Daniels thing, the question there to me is it's more about projecting into the future. Like, if, if you tell me that I can go back in time and fix Jalen Daniels back and he's going to play the whole season, but then you also tell me, well, he's going to come back for the Oklahoma game right now as it is, then... Again, you know, you see what I'm saying, right? Because you'd probably be in the same boat anyways. Well, it wasn't even a guarantee you were going to beat Texas to begin with. This also doesn't guarantee, like, if you're fixing Jalen Daniels back, who's to say that something else doesn't get injured, right? You don't, you don't know that. So if you're, you're, it's not that you're guaranteeing invincibility. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Um, could you imagine? Well, you that's, hey, guy, like, listen, 50 that's what KU was trying to go for, right? I mean, yeah. the quote of the offseason was bulletproof. Exactly. So, I don't know, maybe. That, that to me is the question, right? But if you, if you were to go... 
if you could go into the future and say Jalen's going to miss three or four more games after the Oklahoma State game throughout the rest of the course of the season, right? maybe then you say, okay, give me Jalen so that you have Jalen for the whole season. And the problem with this, too, is is like you said, we don't know what the, the next six games are going to behold. What if yeah. they just keep winning with Jason Bean and it doesn't <laughs> matter? And uh, I think it's easier to pick the first one coming off the, the way that KU just beat UCF. I think I would go the first one with the Joel Embiid injury. That's one of the all-time what-ifs yeah. for KU basketball. To your point on... You know, maybe they get a better seed, so maybe there's a different draw anyway. He was averaging like a double-double in Big 12 player. Right? Yeah, he, it was year. close to that. It was like, uh, gosh, I want to say it was like 12, 13 points, like yeah. nine rebounds. He was getting like three blocks per game, really high efficiency. I mean, the, the skill level was off the charts, and he was getting better each and every game. And even if they don't have a different draw, like in the current draw that they had, they lost to that Stanford team. Stanford didn't even, like, play that well offensively. They just, KU missed, like, everything, and KU didn't really have an answer for the interior against Stanford. Stanford had a bunch of big players. Like, they had Dwight Powell, who's been in the NBA since then, and a bunch of other big dudes down low. You had Joel Embiid. I think they win that game. It was already a close game without Joel Embiid, who was probably the best player on the team by the end of the season. Then you go into the next game. Sweet 16 that year, they would have played 11 seed Dayton. I think they would have been able to get by them. And then you play Florida in the Elite Eight that year, who, yeah, they were really good. They were the number one overall seed. Florida beat Kansas earlier that year. But if you remember how that game went, Florida got a big on Kansas at halftime. Then Kansas started to figure them out in the second half and came back, made it a little bit closer. Uh, maybe maybe Kansas would have been able to figure them out in the Elite Eight. And then at that point, it's wide open because you had a seven-seed UConn in the Final Four and then an eight-seed Kentucky in the championship. Like, <laughs> give me the Joel Embiid injury, and who knows? Maybe you have another Final Four. Maybe you have another national championship with Bill Self. Yeah, I agree. Give me, give me Joel Embiid, kind of like as we outlined all of the different uh, scenarios with KU football where maybe – with Jalen, you're still five and one, and right. maybe not, you may not even need him to, to continue to be great. The rest I of think the that's what it mostly is. It's that definitively we know because of the Joel injury you lost in the second round, whereas it's undefined yeah. right now with the Jalen. I think it, back if injury. you circle back to this question, like in like four if they or go, five months, yeah, you know, if they finish six the spring, and six, yeah, then maybe exactly. we change your answer, right? Yes, but right now you have you know hopes hope is springs eternal or whatever the saying is. <laughs> All right, this one from uh, Paul. Rank the top five KU football players from an NFL draft perspective. Oh, okay. This is interesting. I, number one's got to be Devin Neal, right? I think we Neal, have to right? approach it from this year's draft, right? Yeah. Wait, yeah, yeah. Because so right like, like I'm saying, draft. I don't want to be like, well, I think Logan Brantley could go really oh, high okay, in four okay. years. No, 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 I, yeah. I think no, we have yeah. to approach no. it from 2024. No, I don't want yeah. yeah, yeah. 20, I, so specifically the 2024 draft. Yes. One's got to be Devin Neal, right? Does it? Who? I mean... Who, are you, who else are you thinking? Are you thinking like Dominic Pooney or? I'm starting to get there with Austin Booker. This year? I mean, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's eligible. I know he's eligible, but. Probably needs to add more weight, but like the dude has been unstoppable, man. I think he'd have to, he'd have to go crazy. I mean, okay, because here's what it is. Here's what it is. Crazy. Okay, I, I will agree with. even if he's like good the last six yeah. games, another year I think would benefit him way more. I, I tend to agree, but, but here's what I'm saying. So like. Devin Neal is more pro-ready than Austin Booker. Would you agree with that? Yes. Defensive end, objectively, is picked at a much no, higher premium in the NFL than running back is. I know, yeah. Right? No, I know. So that's where I, it starts to become interesting for me. Yeah. But I, I as much as I want to put like, up a fight with that, I guess I, I won't. Devin Neal's probably not a first-round guy. Yeah, I guess if, so if we're going So at that point, he's going to be, you know... At what's I mean, what's Devin Neal's ceiling for getting drafted? Like it's just third hard round, fourth round. I mean, you could be the seventh best running back in a draft and, and go still in the go in the fifth round, round yeah. right? Sixth yeah. round, yeah. So, I, 
Devin Neal is certainly up there. It's just that the, the position itself makes it a little bit harder. But, yeah, I think Devin Neal probably gives you the most certainty in at number one. All right, so Dominic Pooney, what about him? Dominic Pooney will be up there, but I, th- I think the thing that's going to hurt Pooney is that I think in the NFL he's going to be more viewed as a guard or center, which, again, is kind of like running back. Like, offensive tackles go all over the place in the first and second round. If you're a guard or a center, like, a lot of years the top center – Sometimes, I mean, every did, so often it goes I mean, in the when first round. When did the round, Chiefs but, draft Creed? They drafted him pretty yeah, high, I think. It was like second round. Yeah. But like, I remember there was a year, it was uh, Barrett Barrett Jones. He was the guy for Alabama who uh, was the center for Alabama when they won like their first titles at, uh, or maybe it was their like second and third title or something. Really good player for Alabama. He was like the offensive lineman of the year or something in college football. He was a fourth round pick as a center in 2013. So like. I almost wonder if Pooney, they're going to view him more as a guard and he ends up being like a fourth or fifth round pick or something. I, I love Dominic Pooney and I, I think he'll be drafted. So he would be up there though. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I guess Neil probably ahead of Pooney. Neil's one. I think Neil's one. Yeah, I'm fine with that. So right now we have Who Pooney two. Is Pooney, I think Fairchild would have a shot at it. But yeah. I think I'd put it behind Pooney. Yeah, the thing about Fairchild is, I mean, he just he hasn't, I mean, to, to the naked eye, to the untrained mm-hmm. eye, he obviously hasn't done a whole lot this season. You know, maybe scouts are looking at him and saying, Hey, this dude's got great blocking ability. You know, we can utilize him in different ways. So I'm, I'm now I'm not connected with that. So mm-hmm. maybe it's possible that his draft stock is not necessarily lowered in NFL circles. But I think from the outside, it certainly would seem as though, based off preseason expectations, his draft stock would not be as high now. Yeah. Right? Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. Uh, Kenny Logan will have a shot. Kobe Bryant will have a shot. So I, I think I'd go Devin Neal one. Yep. Kobe Bryant two. Dominic Pooney three. Austin Booker four, Jeremy Robinson five. Okay, I'd almost be tempted to put Jeremy Robinson ahead of Austin Booker just because he's got more of the body type, a more mature player. I'd be tempted. I don't know though. It's close. Uh, should we throw some love for like Craig Young? The conversation. Maybe. Kenny yeah. Logan, like I just said, like, dude. What's what's Craig Young's position in the NFL? Like, what's he? He can't play safety in the NFL. Maybe he's pretty athletic. Think so. Kind of like the he's Isaiah like, Simmons role, but he struggled to find a role in the NFL. That's but what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like Simmons his, is a freak. His, his style is like, or his position, the way he plays, the way he's utilized, that's not really a thing in the NFL. Yeah. Okay. Are you disagreeing with any of my? Are you putting anybody else in there? Uh. I mean, it's hard with Jalen Daniels at this point because yeah. of the injury. So I, I didn't yeah. even want to go down that road. The, any the other one receivers? Guy we didn't, didn't, who? Any other receivers? Oh, who are juniors? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I think Luke Grimm is is an NFL receiver, but for this year, I'm not yeah, really I don't sure. Know. Another guy we didn't throw out there, Amaji Reed Adams. You putting him in there? Not quite yet. Okay. I want to see more. I mean, missed what the first game with injury. Yeah. It's, it's a small sample size for him. He's been good. If he keeps it going, he's got the size and everything. Uh, I I do have one other one that I don't think he'll end up getting drafted or anything. Um. But, like, I, I want to wish cast this into being a thing. <laughs> okay. The Chiefs uh, no longer have a fullback, right? Sure. Anthony Sherman and... Uh, you thinking Jared Casey to the Chiefs? I'm just saying. No, seriously. Would Jared Casey not be a perfect fullback for the Chiefs as an undrafted free agent <laughs> in, whatever, two years or something? Or maybe the Niners drafted. Kyle Juszczyk replacement because yeah. he's so good at blocking. He yeah. keys a lot of blocks. He still does have good hands. He's got a good amount of quickness to him, more speed than you might think. Yeah, and he's size wise, he's more of a fullback okay. in the NFL. Is there any more backhanded comp- compliment ever than deceptively fast? <laughs> I guess. 
is like is that the most backhanded compliment of all time to yeah. say he's deceptively fast because you're you're saying he's slow but he's not slow <laughs> yeah I guess no man I'm just saying like Jared uh, the fullback position is dying but if you want a fullback I think Jared Casey could turn in one in the NFL kind of perfectly yeah and I would I would I would love for that to work out I can see it and, and the Chiefs need a fullback I, I mean I don't see any scenario where he's a tight end in the NFL no he's not big enough he's not tall enough fullback man fullback. All right, uh, these from Derek H. Number one, should Jalen Daniels rest versus Oklahoma State to prepare for Oklahoma, even if he were ready to go this Saturday? Uh, I think yes, because that is essentially what KU did with him against Missouri State. It sounded like he could have played against Missouri State. Now, obviously, I mean, Missouri State and Oklahoma State, two different opponents, but KU has already shown that they are willing to do that if they think it's best. Uh, now, obviously... You figure you can beat Missouri State with Jason Bean. Is it a guarantee you can beat Oklahoma State with Jason Bean? Maybe not as much, but uh, I think yes. I will now. I will say though, that doesn't seem to be the case. I think I don't think he would. I don't think he's going to be ready to go regardless. Yeah, I'd be pretty so, surprised if he if he was. Yeah. So I disagree a bit. My my thing is always like, if you're ready to go, then play. No, I understand that. You know, I understand that. I mean, if you're good enough to play, play, you play. That's, that's <laughs> the point, right? No, I, um, I get that angle for sure. But I guess we also don't know the injury because there are some injuries where it's like you're going to play and it's going to hurt, yeah, I mean, but it yeah, can't exactly. get worse. Yeah, it's but then thing. there are other injuries where it's like it could get worse if you yeah, play. Exactly. From that standpoint, I would I would say well, yes. And the nature of Jalen of Daniels' injury, it's it's maybe you wake up Saturday morning good enough to play, but you you take one hit and maybe that sets you back, you know, for multiple games after that, right? So it's a risk reward thing, mm-hmm. basically. A second one from Derek. Uh, when was the last time KU Volleyball, who's ranked in the top 20, football, who's now in the top 25, and basketball, preseason top team, had this much hype and expectations? Yeah, that's a great question. So Volleyball actually just announced earlier today they, they've sold out their game against Oklahoma. Yeah. Coming up. So I guess the, uh, so another way of putting this would be when is the last time we've had this much fall hype? Yeah. So you look at Volleyball. They made the their Final Four run in 2015. It was, uh, yeah, 2015 Final Four, 2016 Big 12 Championship. Yeah, and obviously KU football at that time was in the doldrums of misery. <laughs> and uh, KU basketball was still good, but yeah, I don't know. Because you go back to like the early, you go back to like Orange Bowl season for KU. With KU, that was obviously a great year for KU football and basketball. Mm-hmm. But with the volleyball team in that, I don't know volleyball if they wasn't were, as good that year. Yeah, I don't know if they were really as good then. Uh, so... Probably this is the, the the last time this has been hyped in a long time. I would say. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for the the perfect, I mean, last year KU football was obviously good. KU volleyball was good as well, but they weren't as good as they are right now. Yeah. And uh, KU basketball last year again also really good, but it's almost like I, I guess we don't know. Like it's possible. I don't know. It's, it's high expectations. To be as good as you were last year, you have to be basically a top three team in the country. But the expectations are that. So. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, the yeah. last time I, I guess, but collectively, but even then, like going into the year they won the Orange Bowl, I remember talking to some KU fans. I, mean, I don't too, think K- I, I don't think the football the team was supposed to be that good. No, but I was year. no. They they were because they were coming off a year in which they went like six and five or something, but didn't get to go to a bowl game because there weren't as many at the time. And I remember talking to people who were like, "Yeah, the, the preseason talk was like, oh, the schedule's kind of open this year. Maybe they could win eight games. Maybe they could win nine games." And they ended up doing that. So, like, there were expectations, but it wasn't nearly what ended up happening. I guess if you go to the 2009 season, but even then you're off the national championship in basketball. 
Um, yeah, man, and also just inherently, the more time goes on, the more this stuff is publicly accessible with social social media yeah. and the internet and everything. Yeah, that's then right. maybe this is the 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 top in terms of all three. If you're yeah. factoring and I'll in just everything say, man, with an equal if weight, if you are if you have not gotten out to a volleyball game, definitely should. Yep. The, the that arena is state of the art. It's an awesome experience. It's a ton of fun. KU, basically, as Derek alluded to in his question, is a top 20 team and playing really, really well. They've got K-State on the schedule coming up Mm -hmm. in a few weeks. Uh, So if you haven't had a chance to get out there, I would definitely recommend doing so. Yeah, they're going to have a chance to uh, host in the NCAA tournament if they keep up what they're doing. Uh, This one from Mike. Would you rather go – these are your favorites. Uh, would you rather go four and two down the stretch, but lose to K State again? So basically, that okay, means so that means you're nine and three, okay. but you lose to K State, or go two and four down the stretch, but beat K State. So nine and three with a loss to K State, or seven and five with a win over K State. I don't know if you're gonna like this answer. I'm, I'll take seven and five. With wow. K State. I I'd take that. Wow. Because nine and three. Here's the deal. Nine and three with a loss to Kansas State. You're probably not making the Big 12 title. So at that point, I would rather have the win against Kansas State. Okay? And then, because I've, I've said this, and people may disagree. To me, the difference between 7-5 and five and 8-4 and four or 9-3 and three is not that big of a difference to me. You're going to a bowl game regardless. I don't care what bowl they go to. I'll be there, and it's going to be awesome. Okay? But once we get past, once you start talking, you know, ten and two, eleven and one, now you get into big, legitimate Big Twelve title conversation. Now maybe nine and three might be good enough to get you there, to be honest, right? So I, I don't, I don't know. So that that would be the angle you would I, that you'd have to convince me of for me to for me to take option A is that you go nine and three, but maybe Kansas State beats you and Kansas State beats Texas, and now all of a sudden you've got a tie or however the tiebreakers work out, and you can have a chance to go against like Oklahoma or something, right? That would be the spin zone you'd have to give me, but. To me, if you're not going, if you're not seriously competing for the Big 12 title, I don't really care if it's seven and five, eight and four, nine and three. What I do care about is beating K State for the first time since the Civil War. Okay. Okay. See, if if you if you give me an option A that is par going forward at four and two but losing to K State, you beat Oklahoma. I would take that because at that beat point, beat Oklahoma. Sure. But because at that point, if you're nine and three with a win over OU. There's like an outside shot you could have a New Year's Six Bowl bid, depending on how things play out. Well, and again, if Even you're if nine you and three with if you're, if you're nine and three with a loss to Kansas State, but you beat but he beat OU, yeah, that would kind of filter back into the conversation of that would maybe depending on how everything else shakes out, you'd be in contention for the Big Twelve title right. still at that point. Right now, obviously, that wasn't part of the the equation. So it was, I, don't, I don't get that guarantee. It, it, you're right. Um, I'm trying to think what would be more productive for the program moving forward. Like in recruiting, for instance, Kansas State would be beating huge. Kansas State would be huge from a local in-state recruiting perspective. Yes, but if you're seven and five, you're not ranked. You're not ranked at the end of the year. If you're nine and three, maybe you're ranked going into the bowl game. You're ranked at the end of the year. And when's the last time Kansas finished the season ranked? Two thousand probably two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, the the oh seven season with the oh eight. Yeah, at so. The end of the year. I kind of wonder, but think about think about how many of Dude, KU's you, recruits. No, you have to. Be no, 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 no. You no, have to. How many of KU's recruits are not local recruits? A, a lot. Majority right? of them. But I don't know. But I don't care about that. I care about what the fan base wants. Okay. Okay. Beat Kansas State. Seriously. I almost want to put that one up for a poll because I think it'll be very divisive. That's a good question, Mike. That is a good question. I, think I would, I'm going. The, I, I'm going the option A. I would. I would want to. I would want to beat to beat Kansas State. All right. For the first time in 9,000 years. 
He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That's our KU mailbag. Henry Greenstein of KUSports.com joins us next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Half past four, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by Henry Greenstein of KUSports.com and the Lawrence Journal World. Uh, Before we get into some KU basketball and KU football talk, the IARP came out with their findings yesterday and their, I guess, official punishments for KU. Uh, did, Did you... Get a chance to go through all 162 pages. What what stood out to you about uh, what came out from the IRP yesterday, Henry? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, it's it's a weight lifted from my perspective to not have to worry about this randomly dropping anymore. I can only imagine how it feels for the people who were uh, right in the thick of it and dealing with it firsthand for six years. Um, but besides that, you know, I, I wasn't too surprised with how things went overall. I had all along, since I first really learned about this and dug through some other reporting the Journal World has done over the years, I, I expected the 15 wins to be vacated, and that's what I've written about in the past. I think besides that, um, the result was more favorable for KU than I maybe expected, you know, with all those violations being downgraded, with very few individual violations being prescribed to Self and Townsend specifically. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can certainly understand why Bill Self and Travis Goff chose to take on such an optimistic tone yesterday, because what has happened as a result of this ruling really won't have much of an impact on the program going forward, unless they, I guess, do something to violate the probation, which I, I don't think is likely. Yeah, so if, if you were grading this on a, I don't know, scale 1 to 10 or, or a letter grade or something from the KU perspective... Uh, what what grade do you think this came out with for them? I mean, it's hard to really say because it's hard to know truly everything that went on behind the scenes and like the full spectrum of possibilities and how dire some of those may have been for them. But yeah, I'll say in the B range, you know, I mean, taking down a banner from a school perspective and having to modify everything your community. I can only imagine what like Daniel Burke and company asked you to go through like every document that <laughs> AU basketball has, has ever uh, created and change all those things, but that's really a logistical burden. Then there's kind of this psychic annoyance for a lot of fans and people in the community of having to modify all those banners and whatnot. And, but, you know, I mean, having not been here, I don't exactly know what it felt like people to be here, but I have a strong suspicion that for a lot of the fans, it really doesn't matter whether you have a physical piece of cloth hanging in the rafters at Allen Fieldhouse or not. Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, sticking on the topic of basketball, your basketball preview came out, and uh, me and Nick were looking over it throughout the week. It's it's awesome stuff, a bunch of stuff about whether it's the schedule or, or uh, each of the individual players and, and everything you went in. What what was your favorite thing about uh, all that you put in uh, work-wise for the, uh, the KU Sports basketball preview? Well, first of all, I, I have to do the thing that you do when you – are interviewing a player and I have to deflect responsibility to the rest of the team. Uh, I have to say, you know, you know, our, our page designers, especially Silas did a really good job. Shane Jackson had a nice little contribution in there as well. But my uh, personal favorite thing to do was to go through the schedule and highlight some of the non-conference matchups. It was a really good opportunity to get to know in advance. Uh, a lot of the teams KU is going to play against Kentucky in particular. And I'm sure especially with the IARP now putting Kentucky back in front of KU on the all-time wins list and some of the injuries Kentucky is going through. I think that's going to be a really, really, really interesting matchup. And as I wrote in the preview, undoubtedly there will be many overreactions to whatever happens uh, at that game. 
But yeah, that was my favorite part, just learning more about the non-conference opponents. And uh, the Big 12 awards came out today. KU basketball well represented. Hunter Dickinson, player of the year, all uh, Big 12 first team along with Dewan Harris. Kevin McCuller uh, ends up on the uh, honorable mention team. If you had to pick one of those three KU players that you feel most certain about being on the first uh, all Big 12 first team at the end of the season, and which of those three players that you think would be most likely to not be on the list, uh, where would you go with your wager? Do you mean not be on the list altogether or be in sort of a different position from where they've been projected? Be in a different position from where they were projected. Okay, yeah, because I, I think I'll start with, I think it's very likely that by the end of the season, Kevin McCuller gets more than an honorable mention. Obviously, that's not like a super meaningful distinction just because I believe that the the postseason teams have several teams, like a first, second, third team, and whatnot. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, they do. I I think, but but especially what we've heard about Kevin McCuller in the off season, I think there's a very very high chance he ends up on the first team. I think just what we heard about the aggression he's displaying, and it's not just things we've heard. You know, also watching Puerto Rico, even watching him in scrimmages, and he seems to be set on improving his offensive output, and that's one thing that'll get you. A nod. So I think there's a very high chance he ends up uh, a first or second team selection. Um, as for the one that I am most sure will be where it is, Kurt, I guess I'll just go chalk and say Hunter Dickinson. I feel like that's not exactly a bold prediction. And I know, I know that some people might not have been like super thrilled with everything we've seen from Hunter Dickinson so far, because there's only been like the one game in Puerto Rico where we've seen him sort of do his thing and take over and whatnot. And that wasn't even against a super amazing front court the Bahamas had. But even so, I think it's a safe bet that he will live up to billing. We're talking with Henry Greenstein, KUSports.com, Lawrence Journal World. Uh, switching over to KU football, uh, we, we've been asking your updated worry scale on Jalen Daniels. Uh, I guess no like new news from last week to this week, but it is another week, and, and we haven't heard anything about him you know, practicing lately. Uh, what is the updated number on the uh, worry scale for Jalen Daniels? Yeah, I, I'm still at a six or whatever I was before. I, I continue to be worried just because there doesn't seem to have been much uh, progress to the point that it, for the first time this season, it was a foregone conclusion all week that Jason Dean would start. I don't know if that was because they're trying to give Daniels the bye week to recover. I don't even know if this is something that you really – we don't know about the injury to say whether it's something you can really recover from or if you just try to limit the, the frequency and severity of flare-ups that he's experiencing. Um, but, yeah, I, I am concerned about it, not because of any deficiency on Jason Bean's part, um, but simply because I think that there are, there are teams KU is about to play where they need someone to – reliably be able to take the top off of a defense, which Jalen Daniels can do. So how much does him possibly not playing this Saturday, which I, I don't know, that's the inkling that I'm kind of getting to. Uh, I'm assuming it's going to be Jason. I mean, how, how much does it affect this game specifically for you in the way that you're trying to prognosticate how things could go? I mean, I would def- in a vacuum, I would definitely feel more confident if KU had Jalen Daniels in this game. But on the other hand, I do think it's a game you know, last week the, the passing offense took a back seat. I think this time the passing offense is really going to have to be in control. I think we're going to have to see maybe for the first time this season a receiver have more than 90 receiving yards in a single game. I believe last year there were six such games, and 
this year there haven't been any. So um, I think we're going to have to see a much more dynamic performance from Bean, and that was certainly what he produced against Oklahoma State last year. So he has a record of doing such things. Um, it's not going to be trivial, though. I mean, Oklahoma State's got some really solid players on defense, you know, a couple of great linebackers, a safety who was a defensive freshman of the year. Uh, but, yeah, certainly I think I – I mean, I don't even think it's like that bold of a take to say that having Jalen Daniels would, would be very useful in this matchup. For sure. Uh, when you look at overall for the KU offense against the Oklahoma State defense, what sticks out to you about those matchups of those two units? Well, I – and I asked about this in the press conference the other day because it stuck out to me. For Mike Gundy, it seems like just the key to stopping KU is to stop the triple option. I, that's how he views KU is that everything they do in terms of the run game springs from triple option concepts. And, you know, to some extent he's not wrong about that, but it, it gives you a sense of the headspace Oklahoma State is in after KU's game against UCF, which is we have to stack the box, we have to play assignment football, we have to line up and do the best we can to, to lock down every possible option in this backfield. And so that's where I get into, well, Jason Bean's going to have to make some plays with his arm. Because even Jason Bean with his legs, which I think he had 93 yards rushing and a touchdown against Oklahoma State last year, if you're, if you're coming in from an we're defending the triple option mindset, then you're prepared for Jason Bean's rushing ability. I think we're going to have to see him be more of a pure passer than he often is and maybe more than he's comfortable being, if that makes sense. Uh, one encouraging sign for KU from the UCF game was that they ran some pretty successful play action looks that got the ball from being to Mason Fairchild. And I would look for them to do a similar thing this week. And on the other side of the football, the KU defense coming off a really good performance against a explosive offense in UCF that was hindered a bit by a quarterback injury, but overall good game for the KU defense. Oklahoma State's offense hasn't been great this year. Maybe they figured some stuff out, though, against Kansas State. Uh, what, what, what intrigues you? What interests you about the KU defense against the Oklahoma State offense? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say how much of that Oklahoma State – well, two things. First of all, it's hard to say how much of that Oklahoma State game was Kansas State beating itself. Second of all, it's hard to say if that is a one-off result or something that will kick the season into gear for Oklahoma State. I guess this weekend will go a lot toward determining that. But – yeah, I mean, I haven't been super uh, ultra impressed with what I know of the Oklahoma State offense. I think, obviously, Ollie Gordon has had a breakout last two games. He's kind of the first guy you've got to prepare for. Their passing game has been neutered somewhat by losing Dijon Stribling to injury. Um, so they have Bray and, and, and Brennan Presley um, as options in, in that respect. Um but one thing that I think went under the radar a little bit from the KU-UCF game is that it was the first time that KU had ever won a game under Lance Leipold in which they either allowed a 100-yard rusher or allowed 200 yards rushing in total. Uh, I think there's still work to be done, particularly by the linebackers and to some extent the defensive tackles and, and shoring up the run game. And Gordon's going to be uh, yet another test of whether they can do that. Talking with Henry Greenstein, KUSports.com, Lawrence Journal World here um, on RCST. So uh, when you look at this team heading into the bye week now, uh, I guess, I don't know, you get all the way down after losing to Texas by 26, and then maybe you're all the way up in, in terms of what the expectations are after beating UCF and, and it feeling kind of wide open in the conference. How important do you think this game is in terms of how you will view them or how people will think, how, how good this team could possibly be, whether they win or lose. 
Well, I think that goes back to some extent to last year. Like, this is a juncture that KU kind of went on a downward trajectory for much of last season. So, in, I, especially if you if you win this game this weekend, you lock down bowl eligibility, and you don't have to hear for the rest of the season about whether you're going to lock down bowl eligibility or not. So that's that's one key talking point. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a long two weeks. Uh, if you're KU, you want to set the tone and have your players go through those two weeks, like motivated, uh, get confidence from picking up a road win, which have been sparse in, in conference play. I believe like Lance Leipold at KU has two conference road wins and neither one of those was Jason Bean. So, you know, for, for Bean's confidence in particular, uh, to go into a hostile environment where KU has won once since 1995 and pick up a win. I just think from a mental standpoint and a momentum standpoint, uh, it's, it's hard to overstate the value of this game. Well, Henry, obviously a lot going on at KUSports.com and in the Lawrence Journal world, whether it's the high school coverage going on this week or some of the KU basketball, IARP stuff, KU football, the Kansas basketball preview. Uh, what can people check out online at KUSports.com? Where can they get their Kansas basketball preview? Yeah, just just read everything that we've written. There's been a, a lot on so many different subjects, and a lot of people have been chipping in, keeping an eye out for our coverage of the city showdown. And yeah, you can you can get that preview either at our offices up by the Turnpike on ramp, or you can order it online. I believe the address for that is shop.lawrence.com. But uh, yeah, more people who see that the better, and just just read our coverage because we're doing a lot of work. Yep, that's for sure. Well, Henry, I appreciate the time as always, man. Have a great rest of your week. All right, thank you. All right, Henry Greenstein, KUSports.com, Lawrence Journal World, joining us here on the show. We're going to take a timeout, get a little Chiefs talk. They take on the Broncos tonight. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk. We'll be live at Mama's Tamale Shop at 6 o'clock tonight for High School Sports Weekly. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. High School Sports Weekly is tonight at Mama's Tamale Shop from 6 to 7. Come on out for the show. It's on 9th Street in Lawrence. Or if you just want to stop by to grab a bite to eat, unbelievable empanadas, street tacos, uh, really everything. I've even had like nachos there that are really good. They have house-made salsas. They recently updated their menu, so you definitely want to check that out. And they've got a a really nice patio area as well where you can hang out. And that's where we'll be for High School Sports Weekly tonight. That's right. And you can even watch the Chiefs game out there and enjoy some of their great authentic Mexican food. Or get like a six-pack or 12-pack of street tacos for the whole family to go and bring it, and then you can watch the KU Denver game. You don't want to be cooking while the, the Chiefs game is going on. Yeah, good point. KU yeah. Denver, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, did I say KU Denver? <laughs> Would KU beat Denver? That's the real question. No. Oh, no? Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, before we get to Rakeese Passmore, I wanted to talk about that here. I, I did want to finish up. We were just talking a little bit about the Chiefs game in our previous segment, but we didn't get to our important question here. Chiefs ah. win and cover if what against the Broncos? The Chiefs win and cover if, I don't know, <laughs> the Broncos suck, If man. they don't implode. Yeah, the Broncos suck. Like, the, I don't see, I don't even, what is the line? Do you even know? Do you have it pulled up? It's a 10 and a half. Oh, that's pretty high. I mean, I, that's going to take a lot for them to cover. Because, listen, you look at some of the teams that the Chiefs have won. I want to say this, uh, I think, so the Chiefs have won 15 straight against Bronco against Denver. It's been a long time. I saw somebody but saying they, that but the, like over half of them have been one score games. Yeah, the Royals World Series win happened more recently than yeah. the Broncos beat the Chiefs. It was like 2014 or 2015. Yeah. Uh so it's it's been a long time. And in fact, I think the last time the Broncos beat the Chiefs was September of the 2014 season where the Chiefs started 1 and 5. 
and, and I believe that's the game, that's the where, game where Jamal Charles fumbled, fumbled and they would have won tied. the game. Yeah. yeah, it was going to overtime. There was like 20 seconds left. The Chiefs were literally trying to run the clock out to go to OT, and he fumbled, and the, the Broncos won. Yeah, that's that, that's that's what I'm pretty sure. So if not for so, that, even longer. Yeah, exactly. But the point being that I think, like I said, I think uh, a good over half of those have been one score games. Mm-hmm. So while the Chiefs have been dominant in the series and have won a lot recently. They haven't necessarily been blowing out Denver. Even go back to where they've had some games where the Chiefs got up big, but then let Denver get back into it. Right, so ten and a half, man, that's a lot of points. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, the Chiefs are going to win. If they don't, uh, I'll be, I'll be devastated and <laughs> might jump off the Oriad. But <laughs> well, okay. The thing that gets me is we're typically we're used to seeing some of these games where the Chiefs have like played closer to the Broncos than you expect. Yeah. But that was years where the Broncos have still had like good defense. They're 32nd in the yeah. NFL you know, this, in DVOA defense. the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career he's playing the worst defense in the league. Really? Yeah. First time ever. Yep, first time ever. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? So um so what what I mean what could he he could pot, he could be no, going he could go nuts. I mean the Broncos did play close with the Chiefs both times last year. Yeah. Like, the game in Denver it was because Mahomes had what like three picks something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then the game that was in Arrowhead like Russell Wilson kind of hung around. It was one of those classic games that you always talk about where it feels like the Chiefs were up like so, 30 and then it was oh no they have the ball down one score, you yeah. know. Yeah. No, that exact exactly. That is how the Chiefs operate. Yeah. Man. The there you watch the game like 10 and, and you're a half. like you're watching the game and you're like, wow, the Chiefs are just by far the better team. They're dominating. You look up the scoreboard and it's twenty to fourteen or something like that. Something ridiculous. So I don't know. I think the Chiefs will win ten and a half though. I don't I don't know, man. I, a lot I, of points. I mean, but I mean do you, on the same notion, do you think it's not possible that this game could be just like the Chiefs Bears game was? Where it's just an absolute demolition from start to finish? It's it's entirely possible. The reason that I'm not expecting that though Travis is Kelsey's not fully healthy. Well, that and not just because it's a divisional rival, but also it's a Thursday night football game. Yeah, and yeah. usually Thursday night football games are just inherently more sloppy. Uh, you don't have like a full week of so, game plan and players getting healthy. Travis Kelsey's questionable, but Taylor Swift right. supposedly is going to be there. Is that mend all injuries? I don't know. Apparently, saying. she's uh, opting to come here as opposed to Canada, where she has some like movie releasing. Wow. So that just shows how serious the true commitment are. here. Yeah. No, I th- I think the Chiefs okay, the Chiefs win as long as they avoid a weird game where they have like a minus 3 turnover difference. Yeah, I mean, dude, the we, Chiefs I think- cover though. <laughs> I think based on if I don't know, uh the receivers one of the receivers breaks out or has a good game. If yeah. they, if they run the football well, I, I don't know. Yeah. If I mean, dude, they say, force multiple the, turnovers. We say the same thing every week. Like the Chiefs will win if nothing weird happens because they're objectively the better team than I mean they're a top three or four right. team in the league. But covering is a different covering is different conversation. Sure. Yeah. And also the weather could be playing a factor. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be very windy. Uh I don't I think the storm chances are supposed to be like much, much later in the night, so not probably during the game. But if it's really windy, maybe that does affect the ability to, you know, throw the throw the ball a little bit. So we'll see. All right, uh, we will watch that game tonight, and I'll uh, recap it tomorrow. Nick's going to be out tomorrow, so uh, I'll be solo, and uh, I'll recap whatever happens in the game. Um, Now, KU basketball also got a commit last night, Rakeese Passmore. He is a top 50 recruit in the country. He's ranked 44th on the 24-7 sports composite, 6'5", depending where you look, 180 to 190-pound small forward in the class of 2024. He becomes KU's third commit in class of 2024. All of them are top 50 commits. And he ended up picking KU over like LSU, Oklahoma. I know at one point like Indiana was in 
on the discussion. Yeah. Uh, here's the scouting report from Adam Finkelstein for uh, 24-7 Sports. Passmore is a strong and athletic wing. He's a major threat in transition where he runs the floor hard and can rise up for the type of explosive finishes that can immediately change the momentum of a game. He's a downhill straight-line driver who doesn't have a ton of wiggle to his game but can go through contact. He's made strides as a shooter and has become capable from three with room and rhythm. Passmore is a projectable defender with a real chance to become a weapon on that end of the floor because he can get low in his stance, slide his feet laterally, and absorb contact in his upper body. Uh, you're talking about basically a great athlete who's a good defender. Okay, those things work for Bill Self, and he typically is able to iron those players out as they uh, their their offensive games improve as they stay. Yeah, yeah. So this is a guy that uh, I think the general sense was that KU was probably going to be number one the whole time when he, mm-hmm. and then ultimately he did commit. And uh, I think even didn't so he had a he if I remember right he canceled a visit to like, Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. And then I think at that point that was kind of the signal of okay. Maybe he's more serious about Came for late night in the fog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, a, a great commit for Kansas and now another top 50 commit. And I think we touched on this uh, earlier in the week or at some point about, as you said, that's now KU's third commit in this class and all in the top 50. And it feels like KU is not done, right? It feels like they might be looking for maybe one or two more guys for a pretty sizable freshman class, which which makes sense. You're going to have a lot more scholarship opportunities open up after you've once you've moved on this year from your – uh, scholarship ban, I guess, so to speak, mm-hmm. and you know you'll still leave some some opportunities open in the transfer portal, I'm sure. But but yeah, why not go out and, and fill out a class, especially when you've got guys to the level that KU's getting, right? I mean, top 50 for Passmore, Filon's a top 30 guy, and obviously Floyd Bedunga is a top five guy. So three really really talented players already in the fold, and a great opportunity for KU to to kind of springboard. I mean, it feel it really feels like. All the momentum right now is in favor of, of Kansas, and I, I think they probably feel that in the in the in the offices as well, right? You've got a top three team in the country. You've just cleared all of your, uh, you know, Sylvia De Sosa stuff, your IARP allegations. Uh, you're renovating Allen Fieldhouse, so it's going to be you know better in the in the future. Bill Self is back uh, after his health scare from last year, and he's feeling even even better maybe than ever he ever has. And now you've just got a really, really quality recruiting class that feels like it might get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, I think Passmore will end up being a really good player for KU down the road as long as he projects out with the uh, three-point shooting and some of the stuff he's doing. By the way, I, I saw a cool uh, video today to show the athleticism because you'll see a bunch of – he's a very power athlete. Uh, I talked yesterday about the on-three profile that it said he had a 46 inch vertical i don't know that i'm buying that but if it's anywhere even in the ballpark that's still very impressive and there was a there's a video of him actually dunking on flory badunga really in one of the like i don't know AAU game or yeah whatever. AAU circuit games whatever you, you want to talk about where he dunks on and badunga is known as a great like shot blocker and defender and stuff like that so that shows you the athleticism that that he's able to get up for yeah. um when you look at 2024 too you know kevin mcculler graduates at the end of this year Nick Timberlake graduates at the end of this year. Um, and Marco Jackson could be a one-and-done this year. I mean, there, there could be a lot of minutes available at those two and three positions for next year. Obviously, you yeah. could have Johnny Furphy back. Uh, K.J. Adams could be back at the four. But you there figure. could be a lot of minutes that open up there that, that maybe even, you know, he, he plays a real role as a true freshman. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The guys that you expect to be back in 2024, like, confidently expect to be back, I think at this point, would be Dewan mm-hmm. and K.J. And that's yes. it. Nobody else, right? I mean, or I guess Furphy's. I don't know. Maybe Furphy, too. Would you say you're Probably. confident? I say I would say I'm confident, but okay. you also never know for two reasons. One, what if he does live up to this hype and potential and he's yeah, a one and done? Yeah. Or two, what if he's unhappy with his role? And and I'm not saying there's any unhappiness. I'm just 
this is the world we're in nowadays in college basketball. Yeah, you can't. You almost have to expect that. Yes, one or two guys from your program gonna is probably going to try to transfer. Right, out. and I, I think that's kind of where we're at. If you don't establish a role, it's not that you have to start right away as a freshman, but if you don't at least crack into some sort of role as a freshman, it almost feels like you're gone. Like, yeah. like MJ Rice. MJ Rice yeah. couldn't crack a role as a freshman. He might have actually got real playing time on this team this year, yeah. but you know he transferred out, right? Yeah. So like you look at so it's like impossible Furphy and McDowell. I expect you know, both to be both here, but again, could yeah, exactly. What if but, one goes? Who knows? With 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 almost certain confidence, you can only say really Dewan and KJ. You feel like they're going to yeah. be back. I mean, Hunter Dickinson's going to have a choice to make. El Marco is probably going to have a decision to make. Kevin McCullough is is gone. Nick Timberlake is gone. Uh, so yeah, there there could be some real serious opportunities for some of these young guys coming into the program. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We've got Florida Man Mad Libs coming at you on the other side. Don't forget, we got High School Sports Weekly tonight. That'll be at 6 o'clock over at Mama's Tamale Shop. Please stop on by, and if you have a chance anytime throughout the day or through the week, go grab some authentic Mexican food at Mama's Tamale Shop. Tell them that uh, KLWN, Rock Truck Sports Talk, or High School Sports Weekly sent you. You'll be glad you did. We also have the City Showdown coming at you on Friday night. It'll be uh, Lawrence High at Free State at 7, pregame 645 here at here on KLWN, and also our video stream at klwn.com. And then Saturday, we have your KU at Oklahoma State action. Crimson and Blue Show starts at 1 o'clock with kickoff at 2.30. Florida Man Mad Libs next. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. This is a Rock Chalk Sports Talk News Alert. Office say this man sold crack to an undercover police officer all while wearing a shirt that said Coke on it. Ever wondered just how crazy headlines can get? And now the Broward Sheriff's Office is looking into this one. So if you recognize the defecating deviant dropping deuces on driveways, give Broward Crime Stoppers a call. Our headline experts have you covered. 42-year-old man was arrested for riding his bicycle on the front lawn of a Naples home and telling a woman inside he was an FBI agent. This is Florida Man Mad Libs with Derek Johnson, Nick Springer, and Sam Speck on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Joined now in studio by Sam Speck, another wonderful edition of Florida Man Mad Libs. Yes, indeed. One day late this week. That's okay. We had a busy day of all KU sports fans as well as Rock Chalk Sports uh, Talk fans. Uh, Again, no worries with that. But it is time to have a little bit of lightness as we finish out this 5 o'clock hour into the rest of the day as well. So, uh, again, here on Florida Man Mad Libs, here's how it works. Just briefly, there's going to be four headlines coming your way. There are going to be redacted words or phrases from each of these headlines. The first one, only one. The next three will have three, or excuse me, two with the upwards point value of three. Now, on the first one, again, only one redacted word or phrase that will have a point value of one. That's usually kind of the tiebreaker, but I'll tell you what, it is a lot of fun to see where these two individuals really try and go down. If you've ever played the game Mad Libs or, you know, those ad lib games back from middle school, high school, even elementary school, this is where we're at. However, we're using completely legitimate headlines and mixing up some of the words and phrases to make it a fun game today. So, gentlemen, it was a big win for Nick last week. Now, of course, on the yearly schedule, it looks like four and eight. Nick is still back in the standings. However, a massive point gain last week brings him to within one aggregate point, 42 to 41. However, again, Derek on this summer season, eight and four so far. So, any comments before we head into this new week? Yeah, Derek stinks. (laughs) You stink. uh, That's all I I got to say about that. 
<laughs> That's all I gotta say about that. We have we have yet to see throughout the three now uh, now going on four seasons of Florida Man an aggregate point beat out the outright winner. So this could be the first season. I mean, this dude stinks. <laughs> Listen, I just care about the matchups. Um, if I'm losing, I start to not care as much. You know, I just. Well, and that's oh, what I mean is, the, win. is, is the wins yeah. that Nick has had. He has won big. He won seven to one last week. I'm Al Davis, so. just win, baby. Nonetheless, here we go. Nick four. says it all the time. Best part about winning ugly is winning. So four, that's four true. headlines coming your way. First one with only one redacted winner phrase. Gentlemen, you ready? Yeah. All yep. right, let's do it. So let's head to the Centennial State, my home state, actually. A 45-year-old Colorado man breaks blank world record. Hmm. So it's very specific Any world, world record. record. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a very uh, vague for now. However, we might see exactly what it is because he's either breaking the most farts within an hour, the Big Macs consumed, mm. or chin-ups. World record. Uh. Mm. In Colorado, people are healthy. Yep. They, they get climb, outside. They climb, they rock climbing. They go out. Yeah. Chin-ups. Chin-ups makes sense. I'm torn between chin-ups and Big Macs. Would they be called chin-ups or pull-ups? It's a good question. Just chin up, you just have question. to get your chin over. Pull up, you go do your whole body. I, I think it has no, something to do with different terms. I think it has something to do with the grip. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Back. I, I have something no like that. I honestly don't know. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Big Max. Give me some Big Mac action. I wanted to do Mac that too, consumed. but I want to pick differently. What about um, most farts within an hour? I mean, that's a, that's quite know, the feat that, right that there. Is, but I don't know. <laughs> See, but then how do you measure the semantics of how do you count farts? Right. You know. Is it just is it just one long fart? Is that just one? There, one, that there silent one, one there. silent ones? That's right? true. Yeah. yeah, then you can just make yeah, it up. I don't think it's know? that one. Uh, I'm, gonna go, it I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Chin ups. Uh, I'll go with the uh, that, that Sam's gonna try to you know throw us off with other ones, and that's okay. actually a simple one. Chin ups. If it's farts, I'm gonna be a little upset. And I really hoped it was, but uh, Derek, your suspicions are correct. 45 year old Colorado man Blake breaks a chin up world record. So yes, yeah. I was trying to throw you off, kind of with my secondary options there, yeah. but uh, you saw that right makes through sense. it. Listen, you know they, you're rock climbers in <laughs> uh, in Colorado hiking. I've seen videos stuff. of guys literally running down red rocks, like the entirety oh, yeah. of the amphitheater. Yeah, no, they, I mean they, that's literally some people they do that for exercise. They just run up and down the stairs. Which those things, if you've been there, I mean those stairs. Aren't there, they like it's really endless. big? It's yeah, huge. Big it's stairs. enormous. Yeah, I mean, you, you probably have to take a couple steps between each stair, and on top of it, it's. I mean, there's there's a lot of rows. So it's basically it, it's like striding a yard. Just run like laps around it. It's basically like it's like a five foot stride just to get yeah. to the next. You're doing step. lunges and running at the same point. <laughs> Okay. Altitude. <laughs> so Derek comes away with one point there. But now we get into some more interesting stuff. And we're going to go back down to the Sunshine State, by the way, gentlemen. So a Florida man has been arrested for dumping 10,000 blank on blank. Indeed. So 10,000 yeah. 10, is a lot. Something small. Florida man arrested for dumping either 10,000 flowers... 10,000 love letters or 10,000 pounds of garbage on blank. Man, to have 10,000, you know how, dude, how would you even count that? Like 10,000 flowers or 10,000 love letters? First of all, maybe just a rough has, estimate or who something. Who has time to write that many love letters? <laughs> well, could be over a long period of time. 10,000? Well, and depending on who he's dude, getting. You have to write to like a long time. 50 a day. Well, what even if you just wrote one a day for like 10,000 days? 30 years. That's a yeah. That is a long Dude, time. That's a you know, thirty years. And then he Here's dumped them on this lady who was like, "I've loved you from afar." And then the lady was like, "This is weird." There's ten thousand letters, um, but that would make him like old. Not necessarily. He could have started writing them when he was like twenty. 
you know. And then um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Now he's in trouble for I don't know. Maybe Are you said, liking this love letters idea? The flowers, maybe in the love not... letters, he had some stuff in there that was like, "You're going to be mine." Like I'm gonna. Oh jeez, like weirdo. Well, I don't know. I, <laughs> so in, wow, it, when he thought really that he the real being listened here. to, he just dumped <laughs> maybe them all. Maybe he's just a regular guy who just yeah, wrote, okay, who like the ten thousand pounds of garbage. I think it's that one. But then again, it's how like, would he even transport? How did he transport it? Right, he would have had to have access to something. He would have had to have. Like a, a farmer, a maybe, massive truck. Yeah, maybe some or sort of like massive truck or something. Man. No, it's Florida. Maybe you had a boat with a bunch of garbage. Oh, uh, yeah. You never know. And the, we haven't gotten to the dumped second it in redacted the, word it in yet. The Everglades. I'm going to go with garbage. Go with garbage? Okay, so Nick's going to go. Or, excuse me, Derek's going to go with garbage. I'm going to go love letters. Give me some love letters. You were bashing me that whole explanation. <laughs> and just wanted to take so, it again. Florida man arrested for dumping either 10,000 flowers, love letters, or pounds of garbage on. His in-law's front yard, his ex's grave, or the side of the road. Wow. Yeah, I know. A little bit of a morbid turn. What's Okay, what's yeah, fascinating here sour is here. the ex's grave could still work for both of us. Yeah. So I actually, it could be like, you know, you in a weird way. You wouldn't fit 10,000 pounds of garbage just, on, on a grave. How could no, you get no, a you truck just, in there, first the of all? Point. Yeah. You just dump it in there. No, I think it could definitely no, work. I, think it could I, definitely I don't work. think it is the 10,000 pounds of garbage. I, I think it actually is going to be like the... Uh, X's grave, and he actually, I, I the think flowers? he's actually going to go back. I think it's going to be the letters on the X's grave, and then he did it to be like, I saved all the letters we did back and forth with oh, each other, man. and then he ended up getting arrested for littering because it was just paper that was just did he get out arrested? about. It, so it, it says t- arrested, right? Yeah, Florida man arrested for dumping. Oh. So, yeah, so correct. Because it, was that, it could have been illegal dumping or, yeah, or littering, that, whatever take X's grave. I think that's going to be the story here. So Derek's yeah. going to go with X's well, grave. Well, side of the road is just boring. Uh, what was the other option? Uh, his in-laws' front yard. See, you can't. I can't pick in-laws' front yard with love letters. That's um, weird. That would yeah. That would definitely be a little bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Wait, where was this again? This is Alabama? No, this Florida. Is Florida. This is 100 percent sunshine. Florida. It's so in it's the possible. name. I guess it's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go X's grave as well, actually. All right. So both of you guys lock it in with that one. And here it is, full unredacted phrase and uh, headline, rather, so everybody have yours locked in at home. Florida man arrested for dumping 10,000 pounds of garbage on the side of the road. So, again, I got you. I almost got you guys. I'm trying to be sticky with a couple of these. Uh, Derek did get one, so it's just 2-0. But the house right now is trying to be sneaky with a couple of these Mm. and a couple of our options. But uh, now we're going to have an interesting one. As a blank breaks into a Florida man's garage, then is caught feasting on fish sticks and blank. Okay. My immediate <laughs> thought is a black bear. But let's let's see what this is. See what the options are. What? Okay. Yeah. So a fugitive, a bear, so nice. Or a neighbor breaks into Florida man's garage. Could be I mean neighbor makes a lot of sense in Florida. Like the neighbor got on bath salts and then broke into the garage and or it's just like a long extreme, night out. And a, I don't know. A couple extra double j- no, jack my, my Fugitive obviously makes sense too, though, because, you know, hungry, you're on the run. On the run. You need like, a, what do you have? food, fish sticks. Well, this is all they have. And, Fine. you know, like whatever. Yeah. But Ye- feasting, the, the term feasting, I think, lends itself more to, like, the bear. Well, my bear was my initial thought. And black bear? bears are in Florida. Okay. Um, they something black bears do. They break into Feast. things and they break into the fridges and freezers yeah. and they, you know. Makes sense. So I'm going to take the bear. Just to be different, uh, I'm going to go with uh, the fugitive, you know, on the run, 
looking for something. Found a garage. Broke into a garage. Happened to have some stuff. Like, yeah. man, I'm kind of hungry. Oh, dude, this guy's dude, this dude's got some fish sticks. <laughs> dude, sign me up. When's the last time you had fish sticks? It's been uh, a while. Uh, I don't even know. Probably for me. I, I, I mean, think I got least, a weird craving for him about like I mean, four or five years ago. At and least I got 10 him. years. It's been, a, but before that, it would be an even more. First of all, I don't like I don't seafood know. or the taste of it, but I mean, you got to think back to the old cafeteria school days yeah. when they were released. I mean, first of all, aren't they normally frozen? Anyway, we'll, yes. we'll get to yeah, the second one. Yeah, I was going to say. So yeah. let's get to so the maybe, second one here. Maybe that leads more to the bear. The bear it don't could. Care. It huh. could. Doesn't. Yeah, he don't care. Uh, anyway, either a fugitive, his neighbor, or a bear breaks into a Florida man's garage and is caught feasting on fish sticks and sleeping in his car, riding a unicycle, <laughs> or slurping strawberry syrup. Ooh. Strawberry syrup. I think the fugitive makes the most sense for sleeping in the car, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Guy the guy breaks into the garage. Yeah. What if the bear, what if there's a truck? And he, the bear went and then took a nap. What I don't understand is it's the one unicycle. heck of a wake-up call. I don't, I don't understand the unicycle. What, what's what? Wait, what nothing. was the part with the unicycle? Riding the unicycle? Uh, yeah, no. So maybe the the he came out and he found his neighbor riding the unicycle after he broke. I guess into his that, that or could the bear was on the your unicycle. Original thought of or the neighbor's on bath salts and he goes. I'm gonna go with the strawberry syrup. I think that's the one that makes the most sense with the bear. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with sleeping in the car. I think I think that makes the most sense with the fugitive. Hot dang! I thought this was gonna be another one that I got away from you guys, but here's what it is: a full unredacted headline. And for those at home, hopefully you have it locked in. A bear breaks into a Florida man's garage and is caught feasting on fish sticks and slurping strawberries. Wow! Wow! Six Big time! Five nothing! <laughs> Big five time. nothing! Take that wow. your point differential! <laughs> wow! I just love the way that just, this guy wrote this headline. Slurping straw. How do you describe a bear slurping strawberry <laughs> yeah, right? syrup? Dude, what the heck is that? Like a straw? You know, just like that. <laughs> I guess that's what bears do because they eat honey, right? And yeah. They, just, they, yeah. they yeah. eat anything. I yeah, swear yeah. to God. They smell it. They'll go anywhere. So, all right, Derek, you're right. You're up big right now, which means this week has gone to you. But Woo! that doesn't mean that Nick Boomer bust for might be able to uh, garner Boomer some bust. aggregate points as well. But a Florida man reminds fellow blank... They're in Florida after blank in drive-thru. So he's reminding everybody <laughs> where exactly that they are. What? So a Florida man reminds tourists, other drivers, or Taco Bell customers that they're in Florida after blank in the drive-thru. Well, these are all similar. It could be, yeah, exactly. Yeah, this one was know. tough to kind of come similar. up with different Customers, options. drive-thru, and Taco Bell. I mean, literally. A tourist. Oh, tourist. 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 Yeah. yeah. I'm thinking tourist. Doesn't that make the most sense to be like, I don't know. Florida? I, I don't know. Yeah, like I Disney or they're at like this, uh, you know? Universal or something you know, like I'm, that. I'm Maybe like that. Uh, I'm the, weird the on Taco one. Bell guy was like, oh, the Taco Bell super crunch deal is only good in certain states. And the guy's like, well, we're in Florida. <laughs> it's good in Florida. <laughs> Give me some yeah, I think that damn Taco good. Bell. Come on. I think that could be good. Are you going Taco Bell, Nick? I think <laughs> I'm going to go Taco Bell. Is it employee or customer? Uh, it just says Florida man reminds fellow talk either Taco Bell customers, tourists, or drivers they're in Florida after blank. That's fine. Uh, I'm gonna go with drivers. I'm gonna take Taco Bell customers. I don't All know. right. So next, gonna go with the Taco Bell customers. And again, they're reminding either tourists, other drivers, or Taco Bell customers they're in Florida after stripping naked in a drive-through, urinating, or pulling a gun in the drive-through. Again, everybody's fine. Again, always have to put a disclaimer when there's a weapon involved. But it's either him getting naked in front of everybody, urinating, or pulling his weapon. So he did this. 
Correct. And the then Florida he man. reminded I everyone. The weapon because Florida is a concealing. That's carry what I was state. thinking too, actually. Oh, ah, yeah. I see. So, so are you, he are like. You, he yeah, like, everybody started freaking out. And he yeah, like, and he was fine. like, wait a second. It's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, we're in wait, Florida. Wait, 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 wait. No, it's <laughs> good. I what I want. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that, actually. So are you both locking yep. in with, uh, with that pull, too? Yeah. pulling the gun? All righty here. And hot dang again. I thought I was going to get somebody <laughs> this week or at least have one. But a Florida man reminds his fellow Taco Bell customers mm. that they're in Florida after pulling a gun wow. in the drive. Let's go! Bang! Derek the buzzer. one point. Six to three, though. Bang! Six to three. How about that? That's Nine like, to four dude, and wins. That's like when you're down seven and you go kick a field goal as time expires. And yeah. you're like, woo, field goal! Yeah! yeah. yeah. He got we got it! it. Boys, the that. house got smashed this week, though. I yeah. thought I was going to do a lot better. For you. Good lord! Oh, good. Uh, do we I have, have a chance for you to win one back? Yeah, we have time. And I have a triple blank. Ooh, yes. Oh my! Dude, Here we go. I'm triple, ready. Not the triple blank. <laughs> blank obsessed Englishman gets nine years for 2021 plot to kill blank with blank. He did oh. not accomplish this, so what? Everything's so. okay. We've got to kill blank somebody with Blank-obsessed Englishman an gets nine years for 2021 plot to kill blank with blank. All right, what? let's start with the first one. Manchester United-obsessed Englishman, At- Star Wars-obsessed Englishman, and weapons-obsessed Englishman gets nine years for 2021 plot to kill blank with blank. It's got to be uh, Man U, in my opinion. I'm going Star Wars. Star Wars? I'm going Man U. It just happens to be in the Dude, region. This guy loves Star Wars, and like the writers wrote a, a story, wrote a, a season episode that he didn't like. He was like... <laughs> If no, any, if unacceptable. Guy, if any of the other answers have anything to do with like Manchester City or mm-hmm. or Chelsea or like another opposing item, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Man U. So this guy is okay. really dedicated to his Manchester United uh, soccer true. team. A blank obsessed Englishman gets nine years for 2021 plot to kill Ronaldo, Queen Elizabeth II, or ex-wife. Oh, <laughs> what? okay, we took a turn. Uh, uh, okay, he's ex-wife with the lightsaber. Okay. If I'm gonna stick with this one, 2021. (laughs) When did the queen? The queen passed by then, didn't she? Uh, Uh, so that was more recent. It wasn't. Okay, so I'm gonna go with Ronaldo just because I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my my football uh, theme here. So Man U and 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 Ronaldo. uh, Ronaldo. All right, blank obsessed Englishman gets nine years for 2021. Was alive in 2021, by the way. Okay, so that does work. She didn't die until no, I don't. She didn't die until 2020. That's a bold Uh, claim for 2021 plot to kill blank with (laughs) potato gun, crossbow, or lightsaber. Lightsaber. <laughs> Lock it in. Okay. I'm questioning my my last few. Uh, what was the first one? There's crossbow potato lights. gun. Potato gun. Jeez. That's a pretty good one. Uh, that's random. I mean, might as well. I think the, just I think the theory with the potato gun is that uh, Ronaldo was playing a game <laughs> in in the UK, and the guy was like, "I'm not going to be able to get an actual gun into the stadium, but a so potato I'm, gun." You they're, know what? They're going to let me get that through security. I think you potato can. Potato gun. It's not. You know, you can sneak it in and then. Yeah, you can't really sneak a crossbow into some place. But a potato gun, like you definitely you, you could, uh, you know, in theory, I guess. So, you know what? I'll, I'll, you convinced me. I'm going to go potato gun on the last one. There okay. we go. All right, you guys collectively did very poorly. The <laughs> oh, correct God. answer here is Star Wars Obsessed Englishman. So you got so that one right. It's nine years for 2021 plot to kill Queen Elizabeth II with crossbow. Oh. Holy cow. Yeah, I would have never Man. gotten any of those right. Man. I mean, and if well, what I don't understand the lights, is 
What's the what correlation does the Star between... Wars have to do with exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I don't what, know. What, what, why? That's what why it was mean? a perfect headline for this. What in the just, world? Well, and you mixed me up because it was just like somebody dedicated to man right? soccer. I was so ready to go with it. Oh, jeez. Well, terrible always, headline writing. Always in, uh, enjoy you guys, including me, and your fun. Big win, six to three. Derek once again. We'll be back next Woo! week. Florida Man Mad Libs. We out for now. All right, that's Sam Speck with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We got High School Sports Weekly coming at you at Mama's Tamale Shop coming up at six o'clock. Come on out to Mama's and you can grab yourself a pack of six pack or twelve pack of tacos before the Chiefs game tonight. And uh, we'll have more RCST coming up next with Nick Springer, Derek Johnson. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that would be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.